everybody, and welcome to Totally Tinted. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. You might be hearing a party in the background. Uh, if so, it's uh, because we're celebrating as we're getting closer to the end of our podcast. Yes. Or possibly another office is having an office party while we're recording this. That could also be what's That's, going on. I thought it was our penultimate party. Could be. Let's go over and see this, after this if they'll no. let us in. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, you they wouldn't even let me tinted? past. Seriously, well, they, you're, you're they would sh- not budge for me. Well, you're a shifty looking I character. I am, kind of. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, we are, uh, <laughs> hello, again, we're getting to the end of this. We're getting a little giddy. We're getting a little punch drunk. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, uh, the idea behind this show, if uh, you have not listened before, is I'm a professional uh, comic book writer. I've been a comic book fan most of my life, but I've never really read the Tintin books, even though my friend David Dedrick has been telling me you should read them. Uh, and now I have. I've read all of them uh, that I know of uh, so far. We've gone through every one of them uh, in this series. And 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 Dave, first of all, are you a Tintin fan? Oh, I love Tintin. I'm a huge Tintin fan, and I love the art of Hergé. Very good. We have established our characters. <laughs> uh, so so what you say now is left in uh, in Tintin. We've gone through all the books. Why are we still here, Dave? What? Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because well, well, we're going to talk about the movies today. Oh, there we go. So it's all right, Tintin so. at the movies. But it is a good question because it does, I mean, to be honest with you, almost everything I watched in preparing for this episode, I had never seen before. Mm. Because I'm really not that interested in the films or the animated cartoons. Because none of it is Hergé. It's all other people's interpretations of Tintin or an Hergé's work. And that's not what I'm, what I like about it. What I love about Hergé is his artwork. I, okay. To me, that is the pinnacle of cartooning. Um, you know, it's one of it's one of a style that I love very much, and that I wouldn't say I'm very good at. It's very hard to imitate or emulate because it takes a lot of courage to draw that simply, mm-hmm. which sounds strange, but it's just very hard to not want to cover up your art with a lot of cr- cross hatching and scratchy scratching stuff in order to hide what you see as deficiencies in how you draw and and your draftsmanship. And so Hergé, he sort of put it all out there. You know, he kind of just hung it out there. There's nothing disguising what he's drawing, you know, and so it's very carefully done. And not only is it high, not only does he not hide what he does, he actually, if you look at his uh, actual, like, pages, when you can see photostats of, you know, photographs of his actual work, is you can see that he actually takes the time to erase lines, even more lines from it. So he's not only is, you know, does he want it bare, he wants it bare than he yeah. even just what allowed needs it. to be there. Yeah. Exactly. And that was his goal. And so when you come to the animated cartoons, it's a totally different interpretation of, mm-hmm. of his work, you know. Not only in tone, we can talk about that as we go, but it's it's a lot different. Um but there actually is an amazingly long history of uh taking his work and and you know re reconfiguring it for other media. Now, what we know. normally do in our podcast is you lay down some context as to where Tintin is at, uh, where Hergé is at, mm-hmm. uh, and then we go through the book yeah. page by page. We yeah. don't have a book in front of us today. We're going to go through a variety of the movies. Sure. Uh, but you mentioned the history. Uh, what is the first, if, if I can start with yeah, the first, sure, what sure. is the first uh, reinterpretation of uh, of Tintin? Well, actually... In, uh, in a medium aside from comic strips or the books. Well, it's interesting with, with Hergé because, you know, we talk a lot about... Uh, self-publishing and, and, you know, it's a big part of our culture now, the idea of, you know, you, us no longer needing the middleman and stuff, you know. Do it and, yourself. And do it yourself and everything. Yeah. And what's interesting about Hergé is although Good he stuff was... Stuff on the web, web comics sure, are very big. Sure, sure. And although Hergé was being published in a newspaper and his books were being published by a publisher, there was a lot of middle ground for him to play in, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, he was looking for other opportunities outside of that. So, I mean, he was almost self-merchandising. 
you know, he didn't, his publisher didn't merchandise for him, uh, in either case, whether he was his book publisher or his newspaper publisher, they were, that's what were not what they were interested in, you know, so he was doing that, you know, he was kind of leading the charge. And so one of the things that he did in the thirties was he did this, it was a very popular format at that time. And it was in French, it was called film fixé, which was basically like, um, what we would have had in school, uh, which were film strips. All right. And so these were, uh, what they did was he adapted sequences from his black and white books, all the, not just black and whites, I shouldn't even say that, because these ran all the way up until like the moon books, these film strips. And, uh, what's interesting about them is, is that, is this that you would go, like kids would go to like a hall, maybe a church hall, and they would project these film strips onto the screen, and there'd be a narrator there, and he would narrate the stories for would them. Would there be a live narrator, you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. There wasn't, cause there wasn't, you know, it was, too primitive to have like an accompanying like when we went i don't know if you did this but when i was a, a young lad who yeah. didn't like to communicate with other people i would go and hide in the library where there was a film strip room and i would sit and watch like film strips about mythology and they had like a tape cassette that you would play that's right you play the tape cassette and hear the bing yeah and then you move it along. then you move it along so, exactly but they had they had tape technology there why wouldn't they use a record player? they did not have tape technology at that well, time they, they had have, records they had records yeah so you could probably sync that up it's possible it. but it might have been too expensive to do it that just way easier yeah. to have a guy just easier up. to have a guy wow. bring it around back when it was more uh, when it was cheaper, cheaper. to yeah. bring an actual person in sure well i mean that's technology right yeah. uh, there's a point where technology is too expensive to replace people and then it reaches a point where it's too expensive to have people when you could use the technology that's right this this show will be done by robots i'm sure shortly in the future yes it will <laughs> uh so yeah, this he collected. So the, yeah, there'd be a narrator, and he would maybe do voices of the characters, you know. Right. So that you know, it was kind of a, and kids. This was a huge hit in in uh, mm. in Belgium and France at that time, and they had like various themes. Mostly they were like uh, educational themes or biblical stories or recreational things. And I guess maybe Tintin kind of fell into the recreational uh, part of that. One thing I thought was interesting, and I never knew this, and I never read it anywhere else. Uh, when I was doing the research for for totally totally Tintin, was that the original name for the Black Island? I think was Le Mystère de l'Avion Gris or the Mystery of the Gray Airplane, mm. um, because that's what the film fixé were were titled. Um, I was looking at some images of them online because they they just came in these kind of rolls, and so you can buy them now. I mean, people still sell these uh, if you want, and there's. I'll put links up for these. There are uh, Tintin, um, like Hergé, like the uh, Foundation Hergé have actually put up, or maybe Tintin.com. I think it's controlled by by uh, Foundation Foundation Hergé. But uh, they put up some YouTube videos of these wow. things. You can watch them. They're incredibly boring. Okay. Let me just tell you, it's, but it's interesting. It's fine that they're boring. Uh, but, you know, you've said over and over again that the thing that you like best about Hergé, you like the stories, but it's the art that wins you over. Now, sure. what, this art was done by Hergé. Yeah. So, do, of the of the reinterpretations that we've had of the book so far, would this be your favorite interpretation? Because it is <sighs> the art. It's the pure. It is, it is the pure art, but there you go. You've, you've hoisted me on my own petard because, in a, in a way... That's what petards are for. That's They're all if, for hoisting. That's right. If you're not hoisting people on a petard, what is it for? You can't write them off on your taxes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the problem i mean it's divorced from its context the art so you're not getting you're not you can't read it at your own chosen speed you're having to go at the speed that they're you know that, that the film is being projected for you and it's i don't know it's to me it's not as interesting as reading it where it's your it's 
you know, you're telling the story to yourself. Now, you're raising an interesting point, and I'm, I, I know you're going to do all of this linearly, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do a little quick jump ahead and then sure, a, and sure. a comeback. Sure, yeah, sure. Whereas I think one of the problems, you know, one of the first uh, exposures I had to Tintin were the Nalvana yeah. animated series, sure. which is uh, it's a Canadian animation company. A lot of people have probably seen they did all the books. Yeah. And I thought that the pacing on that was incorrect. Yeah. Like everyone was just too slow, which mm-hmm. is a... I've worked in a lot of Canadian animation. That's a sin in Canadian animation. Our pacing is terribly slow. Yeah. And you you miss what I what I when I read the Tintin books the poppiness. Yeah. The the sharp the sharp back and forth. That's right. And uh and you're saying now this was also just done too slowly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one the one I would say and again we will maybe cover this and then come back but I'd say the one that nailed it best uh, as far as voices are concerned were uh, some BBC radio plays that uh, that, that it's did... it's funny. But I think our reading of them from from British interp- you know interpretations of you know the British interpretations that we're reading right right so that's how we that's how we hear it almost yeah. as we hear it and a lot of like I think if you talk to someone who didn't know very much about Tintin but read a lot of them when they were younger yeah. would be surprised that they weren't British mm. you know because I think the books themselves couch themselves in a kind of a a no man's land that could be England you know and when you and you almost kind of think of Marlin Spike as being uh, in England. You know, it's you it's do, very English you feeling. You do feel that. His country but- gentleman look. I think look. that's the thing, yeah. the butler, the country gentleman. Yeah. But yeah. it is also so generic that you could mm-hmm. project it almost anywhere you want. It's and a rich may- person's house. Maybe that's the uh, the intent of yeah. Hergé is to give it that kind of blank. And they always then from that point leave to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Or you have your uh, Castafiori bottle episode and then it's in the house. But you never like leave and go, oh, wait, this is definitely... You know, it's uni- it's universal. But yeah. I, I would say uh, the pacing has always been a big issue for me, uh, and the poppiness of the dialogue. Sure, you sure. Know, when it comes to it. it's and, very difficult to do. And the the uh, the film fixe that they have um, on YouTube is not narrated. It just has some classical style music playing, and it kind of it goes through the goes through the film strips. And that's, you know, I think maybe it might be different. You might feel different about it if it had some voices and had some, had some. I wonder what it's flow. like for your daughters, uh, since you said that you read the books to them. Yeah. Uh, if, if that set then the pace that they mm. now read them, you know, yeah. as, as not adults, they're the young, young women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I just wonder, like, if, I'm wondering if, question. if, if people, if some people do, you know, maybe I'm getting the Nelvana thing wrong and, and, you know, cause a lot of other uh, animes there were French. Maybe the, it's more lackadaisical if you read it in French. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And it, I don't know about that. I think the way that Hergé paces it is very, very quick. That's it's very quick it's, cut. That's what it seems like to me. It seems uh, that's the best way yeah. to deliver the action and deliver the comedy. Yeah. But so, er, to each his own. Yeah. So Hergé was asked about animating them in the 30s, like actually animating them. And I mean, his, uh, his objections to that were pretty simple. One is that he didn't know anything about animation. So... He couldn't do it himself. You know, he didn't have any training in, as an animator and he just, and then he didn't have any funding. You know, Belgium just did not have like the right. resources to fund a film that he wanted to, to make. You know, his would have to be big. It couldn't be a small production for him because he would want to portray it very closely to what he had written in the mm-hmm. books and he wouldn't be happy with, you know, shortcuts to try to save money here and there and pinch pennies. That would not be interesting to him. So. He wasn't that interested in it. Now, he did not discourage other people from doing it. And so, in 1947, the very first animated uh, cartoon was The Crab with the Golden Claws, which is an interesting film. It's it, it's basically puppets and stop-motion animation. And it was, um, it was produced by a man named Wilfred Bouchery. And it was animated, well, it was, it was done by a husband and wife team. 
is what I've read anyway. The where I get where I get kind of mixed up is they say it's a husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. The one guy is called Claude. All right. Misson, and the other person is Zhao, which is a Portuguese name for John. So I don't see the woman's name in there. So it's confusing. I've I've read that that is the case. Where whether it is or not, for sure, well, I don't know. This but is where we uh, throw where, it over to our audience, yeah. and maybe maybe you know. Now there are clips. Some have not given any. There's not clips. There's a full. You can see the full thing. Oh, if, I've only seen uh, clips. There's a 60 minute version. Uh, I'll post that as well, Please so that do. people can see it. Well, I've from what I've seen though, it it's it works surprisingly well. Like you, it's you, a, once again, it's a little slow. It's a bit pokey. Right. But I've seen the scene where it's Tintin and uh, and uh, Thompson and Thompson yeah. and at the bar. Yeah. And there's a little bit of shtick that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and to me, it works. You know, to me, it's it's along the same lines. If you've seen Rankin Bass's, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that kind of thing. You know, yeah. I grew up on that, so I'm used to that sort of animation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems on par with you, that kind of thing. Yeah. You might feel, I mean, I might feel different about it if I watched English translation and, and so I could follow it more closely rather than just watching it in French. Uh What's, what's interesting, okay, so uh, it was directed and animated by Claude Misson. Okay. It was adapted by Zhao B. Michaels, was the person's name, and obviously from Crab with the Golden Claws. Now, it was only shown twice. It was shown once at, at the ABC Cinema in, Bel- in Belgium, uh, or sorry, in Brussels, on the 11th of January, 1947. It was shown one more time, the second time. The first time was a private showing. For how many people invited p- invited guests? All right. The second time was a public showing uh, on the twenty first of December, nineteen forty seven. And then uh, what was interesting? Hergé was unhappy with the film. He um, not that he was unhappy with the film. He was unhappy with a few scenes in the film, and he thought that they should be redone. But before anything could be done, the guy Wilfred Bouchery, who had produced it, declared bankruptcy, and he left. He just ran off to Argentina, and everything was seized, including the film. So that was the end of that. So that was all. It was all seized for for auction, and so that a print was was saved. It's actually stored in Belgium's Cinémathèque Royale, so it's you know been preserved for hopefully forever. And Does this ever come out? And do people show? I mean, obviously it made it. To it came out on DVD once on PAL, on right. like a PAL DVD version. So it came on European style, but um, it. Uh, it's, you know, you can, like I say, it's on YouTube. It's a 60-minute long version any, uh, on YouTube. Is there any uh, documentation as to what Hergé wanted changed? In no, film? no, it's not. It's, there's very little documentation of, of that of that time. Or, like, very little documentation. You know, the film itself, when you watch it, it it holds for a very long time on Claude Misson's name. And then the actors in it, this goes like that. Snap. <laughs> it's like, there's a full list of people. Like, you know, this this diagonal stri- strip the, from, you know, one t- side of the screen to the other. And it's just like, bam, it's uh, gone. I, but that is, that's an old-timey film thing. Like, you yeah. see, you know, it's like, uh, here's, it's a wonderful life. And it's like all of the actors at once. Yeah. With their characters next to them, all nice and small. And then Frank Capra in the <laughs> most beautiful font you've ever wow. seen, filling the screen. Sure, he did the most work. Uh, absolutely. But he also got the most font. That's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it is the most faithful. It, to me, it's the most faithful version of Tintin I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's more faithful than any movie, any animated thing I've ever seen, even the the latest one. It is oh, definitely more than the latest. It one. is so faithful. I mean, Snowy talks in it, which you never see in anything else. Mm-hmm. That Snowy has a personality in it and talks and talks to t- Tintin. No one else talks to Snowy, but Snowy t- talks to Tintin. Does Tintin understand Snowy? He seems to, yeah. I mean, it's part of their, they have their give and take, just like in the books, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's the Charlie Brown Garfield. It's a later, kind of it's a later, like, Crab with the Golden Claws is a later book. So, right. that, it, it was after there was interplay between Tintin and Snowy. Mm-hmm. That was an early thing. Um, and so, 
Yeah, it's and it's it tells the story exactly as 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 it is in the you know Captain Haddock drinks. He lights a boat on fire. He crashes the plane. It has the dream sequence where Tint, Captain Haddock's eyes have turned into bottles, and, he, and Tintin is a bottle oh, wow. with his with the, his head as the cork. Oh, okay, I really do want to see this. It has everything, yeah. So I'll, for sure, I'll I'll try. I've said it a few times now. I will try to remember to put out the links now that I promised. But. And if David doesn't remember, remind David. <laughs> Please remind me. Sneaky but, D at sneakydragon.com. <laughs> that is our email to remind Dave. Yeah, that step up. Because I took the time to try and find these things because I just wanted to watch them myself. I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about them without. You know, like I say, I find the, you know, kind of, you know, marionation element of it and the, some of the, you know, it's a bit, it's a very primitive. I mean, Rankin Bass, yes, that's also stop action animation, but it was done at a later time period when they kind of picked up the pace a little bit and they're a little peppier. Mm-hmm. This was done at a time when things were done very slowly and maybe they were like leaving like laugh gaps. I don't know. That's a possibility. That's some, also possible. When you yeah. watch old silent films, there's like kind of moments where you're like, why isn't the film doing anything? Then you see it live, you go, oh, because people are laughing at this part of the movie. So yeah. it doesn't, you don't want to, you don't want to bury your jokes. It so. felt like the, uh, maybe again, because I watched it in French, the, uh, the, the pacing worked for, for, I went, well, this feels. <clears throat> for the little bit you saw. One, yeah, from, yeah. from the little bit I saw, I saw like about 10 minutes of yeah, it. Yeah, it was about 10. Um, yeah, it felt, well, this feels European. Yeah. And this feels French and this feels, that's eh, okay. Yeah. And it, it seemed to be everyone's acting like themselves. Yeah. All the little mo- motions that, uh, the Thompsons do, it was like, yeah, that's right. That, uh, that feels, uh, in, ca- this, Here's... this is the big thing with all the things okay. we're going to be covering is like, does this feel in character? And if it does, I will cut a lot of slack from okay. that point okay. on. Because there's a lot of, uh, things we're going to be talking about today where you go, oh, this went no. Uh, but I'm going, but the main character felt like, yeah. you know, the main character, they felt no, right. I will agree. It's very accurate. It's extremely accurate. I mean, it's absolutely the book. You're watching the book on, on the right. screen. My, but my problem with it is, is the book anticipated editing techniques of the 60s. So, you know, what we all regard as revolutionary about Abu de Souffle, the film Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard with its, you know, quick cuts and it's, and, you know, that it's unnecessary to have establishing shots. And then, you know, you don't have to have a show a door and then a person walking through the door and then walking to an office and saying, someone saying, welcome to our office. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. he just cuts all that out, right? It goes right to the, the heart of the story. And Ayrsley did that too. He just gets rid of all that stuff, partly because you don't want to draw all that crap, yeah. right? So you just keep moving. And also because he was working on a limited page, you know, he had, you know, once once a week he had that amount of space to fill and had to get everything he wanted into that space. And later when he had 62 pages, he had so much stuff he wanted to fit in those stories. You know, he's cramming like three panels into one panel and stuff like that sometimes, right? So, you know, he's working in this kind of very constricted way. And then when these movies, they just suddenly they're like, well, I got a lot of time to fill. And they're just like, well, <laughs> yeah. we're going to really stretch this out. Let's have this guy walking on the street for a long time. Or let's have him walk back to the door and then walk over here. And then, you know, so it doesn't really work. I also wonder, though, back then, just the novelty of watching this would have made people oh, just go, I'm wow. Sure. I'm sure. To be honest, it, yeah. for me now, watching it, the novelty mm-hmm. of it carried me through. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Let's see how this is. Well, okay. Better than I expected. <laughs> okay. Well, sure. you watch an hour of it. Tell me what you <laughs> Okay. I will. Hey, man. I made it through uh, whatever the Lake of the Blue Sharks I Make <laughs> but I, I i did like it i'm not going to say i didn't like it like I, right. to me it's just like it's just fantastic how accurate it is and how closely it, it it cleaves and what's really nice about it too is that how is that erge draws tintin at the beginning of it so you get to see, actually oh, see nice erge okay. draw tintin so he does this like quick sketch of tintin and in ink on a piece of paper and snowy too and that starts the movie and you're like that's oh and then it, and then that that image of tintin fades into the into the uh animated tintin that's nice so it's kind of cool and they don't look anything alike so you're kind of like, ah, oh, too but bad. You get it. But it's really great. It's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, you know, 
well, like I say, maybe if I spoke French, I would find it more entertaining because it wouldn't seem as slow because I'm not like just waiting for something to happen because people are talking in a language I don't understand when they're speaking. I think I like I know enough French that I was able to. I get it, and of course because I knew. Well, the yeah, story, you can get it, but yeah, I get the gags that are going down. Yeah. Um. So now we talked before about this, but I'll just mention it again. So like a year later, in 1948, Hergé, uh, he decided that the only place, the only person who could do Tintin justice as, as a animated cartoon outside you know was walt disney so he sent them seven of his 12 books he sent them the blue lotus the broken ear the black island king autocar's scepter the crab with the golden claws the secret of the unicorn and rad rackham's treasure and also a letter a very flattering letter to disney basically placing himself entirely in disney's hands and just saying you know you are the master of this and i leave i leave you know the fate of my character in in your hands and but unfortunately for erge he's writing to him from europe where Tintin was incredibly popular in Europe. It was almost completely unknown outside of the European continent, though. Where, at that time, where Erge, where, was pop, or where Tintin was popular was Belgium, France, Switzerland, Portugal. So all Catholic countries, all had Catholic newspapers. They were all taking content from a Catholic newspaper in Belgium and republishing it in, their, in theirs. And then the weird outlier, Sweden. That was the other, which is not a Catholic country, I don't believe. I thought, but anyway, they're mostly Lutheran. So if now, there's anyone uh, from Sweden, please let us know. Yeah, please let us know. Please let us know your uh, your major. Apparently, you like Tintin because you're listening to this podcast, so that part's accurate. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so no, although this would have been a sizable demographic, the thing for Disney, this is 48. We're talking, so it's only six years on from Snow White, which almost bankrupted the company. Okay. It's only. Have they done Cinderella by this point? No. It's only three years on from Fantasia, which also almost bankrupted the company. Right. So the idea of uh, taking a an unknown uh, thing like Tintin and putting a lot of investing a lot of money into this you know product that wouldn't sell in America would be very hard to understand to imagine them doing. I wonder if they could have done it as a as a short. If there was any way of like you know doing a, a Tintin short, sure. See, see see if people would enjoy that and then yeah. like uh, go from there. Like I'm trying to think with Disney if Din- Disney seemed to be just adapting public domain uh, things at that point. Like the idea not always. Of, I think because Bambi was uh, they had to pay for that was. Oh, that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but that seems that seems more in line with what they were doing. They, they're doing a lot of basically. They like to watch trees dance. They liked a lot of forest things in their shorts. Sure, so that's not sure. unusual. It seems like I don't know how Tintin would fit in with what Disney was doing at the time. Well, and like, was, what's a comparable thing? The other problem is is that you know, well, Disney already had a schedule of stuff they were working on. So mm. they were wor- working four years in advance with with you know projects in the pipeline. And so, you know, Tintin wouldn't be done right away. It would have been would be four years from if now. They, so basically, they said no and yeah. just returned the if books. They had, if they had done a Tintin movie, it would have made the opening of Euro Disney a lot easier. <laughs> That's true. They would have had it. They would have, had have been in. at the front. He'd been waving with Mickey. Yeah. And everyone would have gone, we're in, instead of, no, what's this? You can't deny that it would have opened a sizable market up for Disney. But at the same time, they were already in that market. They already mm-hmm. had Journal to Mickey. Oh, yeah. They already had a sizable, and it's you know, fr- sales. Fine. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think they've done all right. They're okay. I think they've done okay. They're fine. I don't think they need our help. They'll buy us eventually. They, they, they will buy us all. I understand how this is working. They don't, they don't they need our help. They got Spider-Man. They got <laughs> Star Wars. They're all right. But, oh, that's a shame. So was he disappointed by this? Uh... It's not really recorded what he thought about it. So okay. I imagine he was. Probably, uh, to me, I would be most insulted by them returning the books. I'm kind of like, oh, they didn't want the books either. But, know, they might not, but you know what? They probably weren't in English. 
because there's no English translation. So. Me, just as uh, as an animation person, I get that you know you want Disney to be doing it. And you, you sort of in your head picture Tintin Disney, Ugh. very rotoscopy. Uh, it would have been it would have been okay. It would have been pretty. Uh, but you know who I would of course liked is uh, is uh, Fleischer. If Fleischer could have done a Tintin man, that would have like a nice Tintin short. Uh, yeah. And the old super. I mean, just look at what he did with Superman. You mm-hmm. know, and just like now, imagine that kind of action, but like in a Tintin story, a nice short Tintin story. Yeah, yeah. that would have been fantastic. Would have been interesting. So that was out. So now, uh, in 1954, Raymond LeBlanc decided that he was going to be Europe's Walt Disney. So he created an uh, animation division for for um, in the their place on Rue de Lombard, and it was called Bell Vision. That was their animation, and so. They began to, and basically the only reason he built, did this was just to exploit Tintin. There was very, I don't know if they ever, they must have animated other things that we don't know about. They probably just didn't reach outside of, outside of Europe. But the other, the other stories that like, you know, uh, you know, that are listed on the back of Hergé's books, all those, you know, Jocko and whatnot, they, would they ever think of doing those? Uh, probably not. Cause they just didn't have the, you know, they're looking for something that would, basically the idea of animating Tintin wasn't just for European markets. Or the British market, it was to get get the American market. That's the way they thought was the way in. Hmm. So you can see a a real Americanization of the stories when you watch the Bellvision ones. Okay. Um, what what they did was well, they did they did two in what we most charitably call semi animation. So a lot of people not moving but talking, and a lot of camera making up for mo- motion. Yeah. And then a lot of like what's called smear animation, where they Instead of anim- animating five cells, they'll animate three. And so you get this weird blur because there's nothing filling in. So your eye can't make the make the jump. So it just makes a blur rather than, or a smear kind of effect rather okay. than, because your eye can't, they can't fill it in that, you know, like the way animation works, obviously, is it's a series of single cells that your eye, your brain takes and it, it produces the effect of movement. Yeah. It's not same really... With, same with film in general, yeah. That's right. right. Same with film in general, exactly. And so your eye is creating this illusion is of movement. Is it 24 frames a second? Is that what it normally sure. is? Sure. Okay, you're yeah. saying that just... Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. 24 <laughs> frames a second. I think it is. I think you're right. <laughs> Let's not make up facts. You're Johnny Facts. This is why when we ever get when we get our reviews, everyone goes, uh, David is such a well-informed person. You can't in the last two episodes start doing make-em-ups. <laughs> I'm disagreeing with you. Uh, don't agree with me. No, it was fine. a question. You don't no, agree I... with the question. You just like go, no, no, you I'm don't know, you don't totally, know. Totally on your side. Oh, my gosh. I'm so totally what, on your side. So what are these two films we're talking about right uh, now? King Otter Scepter is one that was done in uh, 56, and then the other one is The Broken Year, which was done in 57. Okay, I haven't seen either of these. Yeah, no, I couldn't find them. I don't think they're available on, on YouTube. And what length are these? Uh, well, the, they were done, all the Bellvision cartoons, like when we watch them, all, if you watch them online, you're seeing them in a way that no one ever saw them originally. Which is? They were all done as five-minute installments. Oh, okay, so they were done as shorts. And they were really rip-off-y installments as well, because basically, so? well, because they're five minutes. <laughs> yeah. They would repeat the two and a half minutes from the week before. Oh, well, dude. And everyone. No, no, no. Everyone. No, that's, okay. That's, was this like a Jay Ward uh, type situation? It's called limited animation. No, but are you, okay. But you know what I'm saying when yeah. I'm saying Jay Ward. Yeah. Jay Ward, when he uh, was doing Crusader Rabbit, I think that was a, that was a, a daily uh, okay. animated series. Uh, and they had to do all these cheats. 
you know, that, you know, they would do same thing. They do yeah. all the recaps and yeah. then they do all the filler and then you'd have the titles. And so every day you'd have a five minute cartoon, but you would have the title <laughs> sequence would go on, brother, yeah. and then recap and then coming up tomorrow, this and, but remember what happened before and a lot of like walking and talking, long stretches of dialogue, cheats, cheats, cheats. So, yeah, you know, exactly. this is what everyone did back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a way to, because you're just looking, you're trying to make content for television. Absolutely. So you just. You just chugged when it out. You and, when you and I were lads, uh, we'd watch, say, a, a Rocket Robin Hood. Yes. And it would be... Or, or Spider-Man. Right. Well, if Rocket Robin Hood, I would say honestly, and I'm not trying to exaggerate here, of a half-hour show, I'd say maybe there'd be 10 minutes of new material. You're right. And then, you know, they would recap what you just saw. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, before... Yeah, but we just and, saw and it. And tens of filler, like, Friar Tuck is Robin Hood's yeah, friend. They'd give the origin stories of three characters, yeah. the same three characters every episode, yeah. and then long title sequence and long <laughs> uh, credit sequence. Yeah. And then just filler, filler, filler. So, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of filler. I can't... You know, I can't throw stones at Oh, I'm not throwing stones. Well, I mean, I'm throwing stones at all of them. I'm not sure. just, not just, not just Tintin's, uh, the Bellevision Tintin animated things, but all that stuff. Very good. Uh, so after they did those two, LeBlanc, even LeBlanc was not happy with, with, the, with what they produced. That guy, I don't think he had any kind of quality, uh, any kind of quality system in mind. Hergé, of course, hated it, but, you know, LeBlanc was like, well, this isn't so good because it's not going to sell. Mm-hmm. So he went, they contacted this guy named Larry Harmon. Let me ask before you get oh, on with sure. this. Were they popular? I don't know. All right. I don't know. That's because good. That's the answer s- to answer if you don't we know. We don't see them. So my my feeling is no. Very good. Um, so they contacted this fellow named Larry Harmon, who best known as Bozo the Clown. He did the voice of Bozo the Clown. He produced Bozo the Clown cartoons. Wait a second. Was he the voice or was he actually Bozo the Clown? The original he Bozo played the Clown? him. Uh, I don't know when. I think he bought the rights to Bozo the Clown. And he played him later on and he did the voice for the Because for the, Bozo the was, the, I think, the first franchise clown and regions could be a Bozo oh, okay. if you bought the rights to Bozo. Okay. Well, he had the rights to okay. the character. So uh, he may have started the franchising. I don't know. That's, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Uh, well, yeah, we do so our Bozo podcast. When we do, oh my gosh, will we ever? <laughs> when, uh, and he, if you watch the, uh, did you watch any of the Bellvision ones? Okay, tell me what those are again. Those are the ones from the 50s, like the Calculus Affair, uh, very simple, very simple animated style. No, I have not. I thought, oh, uh, okay. no, I tried to find everything I could and oh, okay. uh, I okay. did not know about those. You sent me them. What? Yeah, you sent me the Calculus oh, Affair. Oh, my stars. This must have been like, <laughs> this must have been months ago, though, Yeah, right? it was a little while ago, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I just See, went back through our messages and I was like, oh, here it is, I'll just watch this. Here's why I got confused with that. Okay. Was I got confused because I watched Temple of the Temple of the Sun, uh, yeah. which is has calculus in there, mm-hmm. a lot of calculus, and yeah. I guess I confused the two and thought, oh, I'm watching the one I should be watching. Yeah, yeah. But I no, wasn't. No. Tell me more. So they're interesting because, yeah, so when so, it starts sorry, off, it goes... listeners. When it starts, in English, it would go... Hergé's Adventures of Tintin, and then it would you know start the and that was Larry Harmon. He provided that booming voice for for that. But and so you know he produced cheap cookie cutter animated films for you know animated cartoons for Bozo the Clown, and that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted for well, that's what LeBlanc wanted. Um, they wanted it in the style of Hanna Barbera, but cheaper. Ooh, okay. And so. And now Harmon knew of Tintin. Which, which again is what Crusader Rabbit and that kind of thing was. Yeah, yeah. That same thing, okay. So by this point, we're talking, you know, kind of late 50s. Uh, Golden Books was just starting to to kind of try to adapt um, the Tintin stories, in, in you know, into American versions. So, so Harmon was familiar with them. And so he thought, you know, with the right marketing, it would be something that they could really push in the state. So he was, he was keen to do this. Uh, 
And then to cement the connection to Hanna-Barbera, they were later joined by this guy named Charlie Shows, who was a Hanna-Barbera executive. And he was more than familiar with how you make cookie-cutter cartoons mm-hmm. with a lot of moving mouths and nothing else moving. That's right. And Everyone's s- got a tie yeah. so that the head can move and That's the body right. doesn't have to move. That's right. So you have Tintin's collar, you know, or... or Kevin Haddock's Snowy's dog collar. Everyone's right. got a collar. Everyone has a collar or a tie or a yeah. So the shows were slightly better than the original Bellvision ones, but just they still showed like all the hallmarks of limited animation, including the fact that each episode was two and a half minutes of the last episode. Yep. Uh, the stories were Americanized and so dumbed down that it's not even funny. Um, they Hergé's humor. You know, all the slapstick and the kind of mm-hmm. surreal humor and stuff like that, all checked out the window and oh. replaced with verbal humor because verbal humor is easier oh. to do in limited animation than, than oh, yeah. physical humor, right? That's no good. Okay. So you get a lot of stuff of like, uh, there's a scene in one of the ones where, uh, in, uh, Secret of the Unicorn, uh, they're, they're being interviewed on television mm-hmm. and that makes it easier to, to animate. Sure. And then the, the, uh, they're t- say, and this is the only mention of the whole, uh, pickpocket theme of the of the original book is in this little interview and they say they're looking for this guy and then he says you know well who you know who look at this we can't tell you it's a secret and then the interviewer says so you're secret police and then he laughs oh boy so yeah it's just that kind of that level right and the thing is is that there's you know, a lot of screen when you're doing limited animation. TV is your friend, yeah, because you can then cut to the side and then not even see and have someone silently looking at yeah. a TV screen. I'm just remembering uh, a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, the Dick Tracy cartoon. Yes, they and, were awful. Yeah, and he, Dick Tracy wasn't in it. He would just he would just talk to someone on a, in his watch and a lot of still shot of him just looking at his watch while a voice comes out of it. Yeah, and then we see a little bit of that face and then that horrible character goes and has an adventure. Oh, yeah. just the worst. But even Hanna-Barbera, sorry, if you're trying to rip off Hanna-Barbera, Hanna-Barbera are a rip-off themselves for the most part of sitcoms because Top Cat was the Phil Silver show, okay. Flintstones was the Honeymooners, yeah. and none of those are physical shows. Yeah. Those are all just verbal stand around and I'll tell you this and I'll tell you that. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of characters with their hands on their hips. <laughs> yeah. And when you watch the Bellvision ones, well, you... I mean, I'm sure you thought of that while you're watching. We'll talk more about it when we get there. But Temple of the Sun, you're you're wondering why is there so much of the Thompson twins or Thompsons in this? You know, in the book, they're just you know kind of looking for Tintin using the pendulum, using Huckleberry's right. pen, pendulum. And but in the movie, they're like there on the whole journey. Uh, that made sense because okay. because in the original Bellvision cartoons, because they were they were verbal humor. They became verbal humor in those stories. They were easy to animate, and they became major characters in the stories. Oh, okay. So they almost like hog everything so you get a story like the calculus affair where it has absolutely none of the original story in it practically like you know the oh, this, it's just so terrible like how much it changes <laughs> of everything it's like the the prison sequence like when they go to the prison and they pretend to be from the red cross or what you know and then they they take away uh they take away calculus it's all done differently uh thompson the thompsons are there and one of them sneezes and his beard falls off and then they know who they are and they have to do this inane prison escape and the thompsons climb into a tank which of course smashes through a wall and ah it goes on and on and then well then snowy gets left behind by tintin as they fly off in a helicopter you remember the helicopter in that sequence you don't remember the helicopter in that sequence no no one remember no it's just oh it's so bad but the helicopter is easy to animate because it's just a thing that you can have flying towards you. And people and, can talk in it. And without, move, yeah. move the camera towards yes. it. You don't have to animate it. Oh, yes. it's so awful. Uh, yeah. So, Hergé obviously was bitterly disappointed with these cartoons. Like okay. He just completely separated himself from them. And a lot of these were written by Greg. Uh, 
who I think of as Ershay's arch enemy. <laughs> and some of the stories you read, he's described as Ershay's friend. I'm like, how could this guy be his friend? He's tearing apart his stories, writing these terrible, like unfunny concoctions, slightly based on his books. Oh, there's a little bit of something where you know uh, he does make Hergé look good by comparison. You know, when you well, when you, sure. when you then go like, you know, who could take over for Hergé? Yeah. How about this guy? <laughs> you know, no, no. So. Let's all still keep. So Hergé was the kind of guy who went with a lot of ugly friends to the club. Mm-hmm. Is that right? <laughs> he looked good. Yep. That was Greg for him. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean these pop- these cartoons were immensely popular though because you know kids don't care about. It. I mean I watched those Dick Tracy cartoons and I loved them when I was a kid. Right. Well, I if think- I watched them now, I'd probably be retching. But when I was a kid, I thought they were the cat's pajamas. Mm-hmm. You know, and my cat didn't even wear pajamas. Um, and yeah, he just he just like he didn't want to do, have anything to do with it. He would send Bob to more to do if they needed like character references and stuff like that. He'd be like, Bob, you go. I don't want to. I want anything to do with this. Yuck. Uh, and yet they continued. They continued. Oh yeah, they went on. They went from uh, well, fifty six into the sixties. They they went. I mean, and really, the the Lake of Sharks and Temple of the Sun are a continuation of the Bell Vision style. Okay. And the Bell Vision aesthetic. Okay. So I'm waiting till we get to those. So I want to talk about. Yeah, those. we'll talk about this. As, far, as bad as I feel about not having watched these, I realized they were the tele. These were the television ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this because this episode is what is it? Is it the television ones? No, it's the movies. <laughs> I've watched all the okay. movies. All right. I did my homework, you, Professor. You win, Mister Legal Eagle. Um. So that's what I. You know, when you think about it, all this stuff going on, it's no wonder that Ayrshay when when he was produ- uh, approached by Andre Barat or Bray, who wanted to do the live-action Tintin films, like, yes, let's try live-action. Sure. Because this animation thing has not been working out for me. So that's what happened. Andre Barre, I'll say his name is that way, B-A-R-R-E-T, he uh, had been looking for some time for an investment. He wanted to invest in a film. And so he was looking for a, a pro- some sort of project, and his nephew suggested Tintin. He's like, that's a good idea. So he phoned Hergé and said, you know, I'm interested in producing a film a live action film mm-hmm. based on Tintin. And Hergé was like, that sounds very interesting. I'm actually, I'm very interested in this idea. And he wanted Beret to do the Seven Crystal Balls, Prisoners of the Sun, as as a, a full story. He okay. felt that was the most cinematic Tintin story. All right. That lent itself the best to, to, to a big film. Beret said, no, we don't want to use any of your stories. We're going to do a completely original Tintin story. So... He originally he wanted to do an adventure in Japan, which was going to be called Tintin and the Blue Pearls. And so the next step seems a little weird having blue. You know, we've already got a blue story, right? What do you mean? Blue Lotus. Yeah, yeah. You know, but blue oranges later too. So I understand that, but yeah. you're going to China and it's blue. Oh Lotus. yeah, yeah. You go into Japan and now it's blue, blue pearls. pearls. It's yeah. like what's 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 with the blue, buddy? It didn't work out anyway. So he uh, first person he contacted was a young French uh, new wave director. His name was Alain René. Uh, who Have you ever seen Hiroshima Mon Amour? No, I have not. Okay. That's kind of his classic film. Great film. He did also did this uh, kooky film I love very much called Last Year in Marienbad. Okay. Which is this kind of puzzle movie that you don't know what's going on. It's like a man uh, approaches this woman at this spa and he says, you know, we agreed to meet here last year. And she doesn't remember who he is. Mm-hmm. And so he has to figure out who's telling the truth and who's not. It's a very interesting film. Uh, and he also did, uh, he had just done this film called Night and Fog, which is weird, because Night and Fog is kind of this Holocaust film. And then you're going to go, hey, this is the perfect guy to direct Tintin. But he approached Rene, and Rene had a in- really interesting idea, which when I, when I heard this, I was like, oh man, this is so sad. Because his idea, he's like, you know what, I, I want to do an, ori- I want to do one of the Tintin stories. I want to do The Black Island as a completely studio-bound film. 
So I want to have it mm. just in a studio. And I, when I heard that, you think, oh, that sounds dumb. But then you think, wait a second. Like, that would be really cool to do that kind of artifice yeah. of the studio. That would really give it an interesting feel, you know, like to have... Give you the control. You the want, control, yeah. but you could still have like the water, you know, him rowing out to the island. And the sure. island's just a, you know, just a paint, a painted backdrop. Like, you know, all, almost all those musicals that... That I love anyway, like Brigadoon and stuff like that. They're all done on a huge soundstage, so you could easily just use a giant soundstage and create this this huge environment of the Black Island. You know, the trains and the planes, and you know, like the the Thompson when the Thompsons are in the plane, they're on television, so you don't actually have to you don't have to to show that. You know, right. you can just have it suggested. It, it, it's it's an interesting idea. Yeah, you'd have to do guy in a gorilla suit, which is always rough, but uh, yeah. you could probably pull that off. Yeah, but uh, or you could change it slightly. You know. Gonna have some sort of monster, otherwise, sure. what's the point of the Black sure. Island? Yeah, um, but it was found. It was just too costly to do it that way. Like just to actually, like mm. you know, create a whole world inside a studio is actually really expensive. But it's really cool when they do that. There's a great Japanese horror film, and I wish I could remember it. It's a it's a anthology film, and all the all the uh, stories are all done on a giant soundstage. No matter what the story is, it can be like uh, in snow in a forest, and it's all done it's all but it's beautiful because it's you know it creates this kind of weird fantasy feel of you know and i would be i i just wish that had happened because i you know whether it was a disaster or not it would have been really interesting mm-hmm. to see uh so then um beret then approached philippe de broca and so when de broca was approached jean-pierre talbot who played tintin george wilson who played captain haddock and the actors who played the thompsons who were actual twins but are strangely uncredited in the film. They're just written as incognito, hmm. is how they're credited in the film. Uh, they'd already been they'd already been hired. So the casting of Talbot as Tintin had been like a three-year ordeal for the production. So you know, they started in '57, and so this is 1960. They're still looking for someone to play Tintin, and so despite a lot of pre-publicity, because it's going to be a, like a big deal, it's a Tintin movie. And then they did all this pre-casting. They looked at hundreds of people, and they could not find a an appropriate Tintin. Sure. So then they sent out like scouts. They sent several scouts out. Just search. Let's find find someone out there. And what happened was, in the end, this uh, lady named Chantal Riviere, who was the daughter of Hergé's friend Jacques van Melkebeek, who worked on many books with... Uh, uh, she fa- she found this 17-year-old uh, guy, Talbot, on a, on a beach in Ostend, and he was uh, reportedly comforting a ch- crying child. And she saw him and she said, that is Tintin. And he was the lifeguard there. He, yeah, I think he was a lifeguard at the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And he, but he also worked as a fitness instructor. Uh, so he was basically, she said, you're Tintin. He was put on a train, sent to Paris, placed in front of a camera, yeah. given no direction. Yeah. They just said, there you go. They knocked him unconscious. <laughs> like, that guy's really got what it takes. <laughs> got what it takes. They just said, there you go. And so he didn't know what to do. So he just started doing like a gymnastics routine. He started doing somersaults and, and cartwheels and stuff like that and backflips and stuff like that, just showing them yeah. what he could do. And they're like, this is Tintin. That's so weird. When you say that, that just reminds me of uh, Burt Ward's audition for Robin. Okay. And that's exactly what he did too. It's just like, uh, so uh, got to do some tumbles for you. Here's some somersaults. Yeah. Here's a cartwheel. Here's a backflip. Yeah, exactly the same thing. That's Interesting. good. That's a smart idea because you're actually, you're being asked to play a physical role. So show your physicality. Absolutely. You know? And in the films itself, not to jump too far ahead, he, when he does have to do something physical, completely believable. Like oh, he's great. Yeah. You know, at that, when he has to fight, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, cause he was, like, like I was saying, he was a sports instructor and so he was in great physical shape. And, but also in spirit, he was something of the, of the Boy Scout, like just personally, mm-hmm. like when his career was over, 
as Tintin, we only lasted two films. He didn't carry on with acting. That wasn't really what his heart was in. He became a teacher and he taught for the rest of his life. And that's what he really loved to do. And he's uh, you know? still alive now, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's retired now, but he's still... Uh, yeah, so... And also, he was a, a huge, a huge Hergé fan. Like, René was a huge Hergé fan. Like, so, you know, he had his, he had his Hergé dream, right? right? I want to make this, my favorite book, Black Island, I want to make this into this big spectacle. The Broca, also a huge Tintin fan. Like, like, uh, people who are interested in this, you know, all of them are of this generation that had grown up with, with Tintin, you know, so they're this huge fan. So, um, yeah, so he, he took, you know, he took a real keen interest in how he looked that, you know, he didn't like the first hair they gave him, that which looked almost like a mohawk. So they insisted that he, they recut it and do it properly. And he picked out all his clothing for the role. He picked mm-hmm. out the plus fours and the blue sweater and just to make sure it all was authentic. And then he learned karate for the film. Wow. And he did almost all the stunts himself and he insisted on doing it. He wanted it to be authentic, you know. So personally, having seen the film, I don't think a better Tintin could have been found for that role. Mm-hmm. I think he's I really agree, good yeah. in that role. And I think that George Wilson in the first film is a really good Captain Haddock as well. Yeah, the beard's a little weird. The, despite the wretched beard, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yet, when DeBroca saw them, when he saw them and the Thompson twins, or Thompsons, like you want to say twins, uh, he immediately turned the project down. And he said, that isn't Tintin and that isn't Captain Haddock. You know, you cannot, you cannot recreate the people's imagination in, in reality, he, he felt. And so his recommendation to Bray is that don't do... A Tintin film. Do a film inspired by Hergé. Do a film in the style of Tintin, but don't do an exact Tintin film. All right. And so, you know, he left the project and he went and started a different project, which was to create a film called That Man from Rio, which is probably of all the Tintin things that we we watched, more like Tintin than the actual Tintin well, films. Well, let's talk about that film, then let's get back to Tintin. Do you okay. want to do that real sure, quick? Sure, okay. sure, sure. Because we watched that film together. Yeah. And that that film... It's that's a very good film. Oh, it's a great film. Yeah, yeah, it moves along at a fantastic pace. It's about a guy. He's on leave uh, from the military. Yeah, uh, shows up to meet his girlfriend. Girlfriend gets kidnapped. Yeah, Uh, there's a a theft of a of a statue. Very much Uh, like the Broken broken Ear. ear. Very much like the Broken Ear. Yeah. Uh, In fact, when you're watching the opening, you're like, "Is this a Tintin film?" Yeah. Like, yeah. it really does feel that same kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a museum that's closing for the night. The guards are kind of settling down. And suddenly there's this figure mysteriously going through the museum, breaks into a case, steals a statue. And then the story starts to really starts to go. And then there's also kind of, well, kid, you know, the, the, the death of people who were exploring, who discovered, you know, and, you know, went and, and disturbed a, an ancient site. Yeah, is that a curse? Is that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it, there was another thing that I remember, and I couldn't remember what it was, but it was a scene in the film where we were watching and I went, oh, that is so Tintin. Which was? I can't remember now. I, could, I was racking my well, brains last night. at one point, he tries to fight a guy by ramming his head into his stomach. Well, that's the other and thing. Bounces, yeah. And bounces off because he's not Tintin. But yeah, there's, there's fights. There's... But that's the other thing I thought was interesting because it turns some Tintin elements on its head, though. That. Literally. Like, there's things where he does a karate chop and he just holds his hand because it doesn't work. Yeah. Or he, you know, and then there's the, there is a character that is the, always the evil character in a Hergé story who isn't the villain in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it kind of red, red herrings you a little bit there. You're expecting, you expect the villain to be a different character than it is and it, it works very a well. A film that it feels a bit like, we've got, you've got scenes in planes, you've got uh, chases through abandoned buildings, uh, you you have, uh, you know, actually a big scene at the end where they're going for the treasure. Yeah. I don't want to spoil what happens, but yeah. very exciting. But it really does remind you and in, in, in times of uh, Indiana Jones as well. Sure. You know, it's got that yeah. kind of uh, yeah. pacing to it. You kept, saying, you kept saying, oh, Spielberg better pay some, pay some money for this. Yeah, there seem to be like direct lifts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
you know, but again, yeah. Indiana Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's all pretty much. It's lives. an homage, yeah. It's, it's an it's... homage, and then and then you know, uh, assembling it in a way that only Spielberg can. I'm not yeah. saying assembling an homage takes no skill; otherwise, yeah. everyone would do it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, howdy, there seemed to be some stuff from this film that was lifted for uh, for Raiders. It's a very fun film, and I would I would heartily recommend that man from Rio to anyone Absolutely, who hasn't yeah. uh, seen it. It's a very good film. Yeah, it bounces. It's fun, and uh, the one difference between Tintin and this is there is a female uh, character, and she is the she is the romantic foil, and yeah. she's got she's got some uh, some sass to her as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's got some bounce. <laughs> she's good. I don't mean yeah. that in a uh, way. I mean like she's just a good character. She's, she's one a great of those. Character, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a fun film, and, and it kind of highlights losing their memory. A lot of uh, people being drugged, and who mm-hmm. are you? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very Tintin-y. And it kind of makes you wonder if if a Tintin story had had a had had a romantic interest, if what if that would have been interesting, or if it just would have seemed silly, mm-hmm. you know, later on anyway. And you know, when we were doing uh, when we were doing our fantastic radio play on our last show, um, we were talking about the character of of the 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 woman who works the in the art gallery. Yeah, yeah the assistant in the art gallery, and. You know, we're, we're speculating that she would be the pretty character, and then maybe Tintin and, and she could become an item, become Who interested knows? in each yeah. other. That would have been interesting, actually. Uh, you know, and you don't have to change Tintin's character to to do that. He can still be a pure person and be interested in the opposite sex. But, but if you're a boy at that time, and these were kind of boys' comics yeah. back then, are girls gross, and you just want to like not have them in your story? Girls are gross when you're around girls. When you're not around girls, girls are highly desirable when you're a boy. Ah, interesting. Don't you think so? You play a role with girls of not liking girls, but when the girls aren't around, you are very interested in them. Huh. Interesting. All right. You disagree? Well, I was different as a kid. I like I like girls from the get go. I was like, okay, all but even about... when they were around, like you were. Yeah, I was fine. I was like, uh, I was always like, if I could. Play that with was because you were from you were from a different culture I than from, I was. Uh, Montreal. You were and, from uh, yeah. Hello, how are you? You were yes. from a French culture. That's I was, right. I was five I years old. In... I had a glass of wine, and a cigarette, <laughs> and I was coming out of kindergarten you just were like wearing a smoking oh, jacket. I'm exhausted. <laughs> all this learning colors. Oh, quel dommage. Smoking jacket. Yeah, would and... someone get me a cheese, please? That was completely the case. So. Uh, yeah, anyway, that man from Rio, but fantastic. That, but that's a nice example of, you know, and you hear that quite a bit with directors of, I tried to get the rights to this, and instead I had to do this, and mm-hmm. that's the thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the famous one, of course, is George Lucas wanted to do Buck Rogers. But yeah. You can't have the rights to Buck Rogers. Well, I'm still going to do a space opera, Star Wars. <laughs> I'll show you. Yeah. And you showed it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. It's true, uh, but I, I do like that it's not that he couldn't get the rights. It's just that... He didn't even intend to get the rights. And he just felt like that was the wrong... In this case, Yeah, yes. that was the wrong way to go about it. And, you know, you can I kind of wonder... I kind of agree with him. You can be inspired by yeah. yeah. There are definitely two ways to go. I kind of agree with him. Uh, so, in the end, they found a director whose name was Jean-Jacques Vierne. And what that's indicative of is the slow decline into mediocrity that this film uh, project followed. You know, to go from Alain René, a great director, Rochman Amour, and many, many other films that are great great films uh to go to philip de broca once again not on alan renee's artistic level but a very competent director who you know knew how to put together a film and make an entertaining package of something right now we go down to uh Vierne, who had one film to his credit when he made the golden fleece and would only have one other film to his credit after the golden fleece we see the difference in quality of talent that you're hiring to do these things Sometimes someone can just do one good movie and then... Uh... This wasn't it? Uh, now, I'll, so, and then, uh, 
so they had a screenwriter, a guy named Remy Forlani, did the wrote the screenplay. But Hergé still, he actually was very interested in this film and kind of kept his hand in. The film we're talking about, I don't think we've named. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So the film uh, that they started working on was uh, in French. It's called Tintin and the Mystery of the Golden Fleece. In English, they left took out the mystery. That it says Tintin and the Golden Fleece. Um, So yeah, so Forlani wrote it. Hergé did you know a credible amount of editing on the scripts and also worked on some of the storyboards for the film. Uh, so he, you know, he's very interested in it. And I would think to, when I watched the film, the sequence in the tower with the cannibals is the one that springs to my mind. It's something that, uh, Ergy probably storyboarded. That, that felt sequence. very Black Island to me. Very much, yeah. Yeah. Like there's a, okay, uh, the film, the film itself, first of all, as you say, the yeah. two leads, yeah. bang on. Like that's my, that's, that was my thing when I, when I started to watch it was, does this feel like a Tintin yeah. story? Yeah. And for the first thing you see a mailman, uh, in a, a bike that's too small for him, it seems, his le- he's Incredible all, leg- comedy. he's all legs and yeah. elbows, yeah. and he's delivering, uh, a package or a letter to Marlin Spike, and like, let's yeah. see what this looks like. Looks great. Oh, I just want to say one more thing. Sorry, Sorry. there's one thing I forgot to mention Please. about the Bellvision films. Is in one of the films, the character describes it as Martin Spike. Whoops. I was just like, this. Come on. You have negated yourself. Boo. <laughs> Fix it in editing. Um, right. So, so, but, but, so we're going up the road. This is the first thing that we see is the guy going up the road. Okay. Still kind of funny. Yeah. Here we go. Let's yeah. see what happens. And then you go into Marlin Spike. And I liked how they revealed all the characters. Yeah. The captain is uh, in a hammock. Yeah. Uh, Tintin in his is, country gentleman yeah, that's right. costume. Tintin is playing with Snowy, yeah. looking like a kid, but yeah. he's still, you know, he's the age that Tintin should be. Yeah. Uh, they get the, they get the letter. Uh, there's an explosion and it's calculus is doing an experiment near the front gate. It's it's right. It all feels right. Marlin Spike looks perfect. Yeah. And 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 I was on board. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, here we go. Yeah. And you're right. The film is not is not perfect. Yeah, but it's there, not. I but mean, there it's, are perfect elements. It's okay. It's a five out of ten or when, whatever. Yeah. yeah. When I go more than that because 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 it feels you know when it feels like Tintin, it really feels like Tintin. Okay. Like, uh, okay. Tintin fighting. Yeah. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Great. You know because he's Fantastic. got a real joy to fighting mm-hmm. and he's not a jerk about it. He's yeah. not enjoying the violence. Yeah. But he's like, all right. He's like a boy who gets to fight. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Tintin should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked all the snowy stuff. I thought Snowy was well done in this. Uh, the captain uh, was not annoying. Yeah. Uh, as other captains will shortly be. Uh, <laughs> I thought Calculus uh, came across as Calculus. That, yeah. that that all worked for me. Sure. And I and I was. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the beauty shots. There was a lot of long shots where you'd see like cars going down the road or something, and I thought that that uh, captured the travel log aspect of the early okay. Tintins that I okay. really liked, which was let's show you other places in the world. I also really liked the boat. Uh, I liked I liked where the mystery went. Yeah. I thought that felt very no no. I, it was competently done. My complaint about the travel log element of it. Once again, it slows the film down, so you're not. It kind of takes away the pep, the the zinginess of it. Kind of yeah. disappears. It's dissipated by a lot of shots of of hillsides. And but stuff it's like that. beautiful shots of hillsides. So mm, maybe okay. there's a bit of me that's like, hey, this is gorgeous. And then and then I liked. <laughs> and there's part was... of me that's like, where'd the movie go? And I like the uh, underwater uh, stuff that they did. I thought Very they well pulled done. that off uh, yeah. quite well. And underwater stuff often, like, have you seen any James Bond movie? Yeah. Kills a movie. Like the second yeah, he puts on scuba gear. Thunderball. Yes. Well, it's anything. Anytime he puts on a scuba gear, yeah. boo, boring. <laughs> but this, yeah, it all, it all worked. It worked, that. worked well. The and Thompsons did not work. I thought their timing no. was, uh, was poor. Yeah. They, I thought, don't think they were actors. I think they were hired for their similarity to each other. I don't yeah. think they were, when, like, when you watch the film, you go like, oh, these guys can't act. They don't know what they're doing. And the way they directed them verbally, they just muttered everything. So yeah. you missed everything. Like, yeah. and that could just be a problem with the dubbing, you know, that the English dubbing was just terrible on that. But, yeah. you know, that, that didn't work. 
but I thought there was enough good. I would give it 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> wow, generous. Uh, because, it, I, because it felt like a Tintin. Yeah, and yeah so some of it. Some of it did. The stuff, some of it that, the stuff that did really did. Yeah. No, I thought Haddock was very good. I thought that actor conveyed the bombast, but is also the the a- a- aspect of the sort of more melancholy ele- element of his character. Maybe you know, I'm the, retroactively comparing him to the next. Film. That's exactly what I think and, you're doing. And then I'm I'm bumping this one up a couple yeah. of notches. Yeah. You were bothered by his anchor being too high. His anchor was too high, and his, his and his beard was. Ridiculous. was ridiculous. It looked like a piece of carpet that had been cut yep. out and pasted to his face. Yep. But what was nice about the interesting thing about the uh, scuba diving sequence is that the actor, Jean-Pierre Talbot, actually does the scuba diving and you had to see how cut he is. Oh, boy. You're like, whoa. This, but, but that's how he's 1960s tin- cut. Yeah. He's not like Tom yeah. Cruise takes off his shirt yeah, and you're know, yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. It's, it's not a Marvel superhero diet uh, yeah, yeah. exercise thing that you yeah, see everyone yeah. do now. Yeah. It's 1960s Hey, this guy's in shape. Yeah, that guy was. He really a couple could push-ups. He really could climb out down a pipe from a tower. Oh, there is a bit of that too. Yeah. There's some stunts that you go. Oh, where's the wire? Well, yeah. There's no wire. What are they doing? Yeah, <laughs> you can't just make your actor do that. You got a spare Tintin lying around? Because <laughs> if this goes south, the movie's yeah. gone, man. Yeah. Yikes! It's strange, and yeah, it's interesting to see that scene, and you're like, oh, I could, but. It, it, the thing I thought of when I saw it was, well, that would be Tintin. Like, he is a sh- in shape person. He mm-hmm. runs a lot. He does a lot of stuff. Like, he does his exercises in the morning. We know that. So yeah. he's, he's in shape. So this, this is part of his character. That's the thing. He feels like. You just can't smash your head into anybody and knock him down <laughs> if you're not right. in shape. He feels like Tintin to me. And it's a tough, it's a tough one because like, you know, um, he, he's, he's, he does adult type things, mm-hmm. but they did enough stuff of like him playing with Snowy and goofing yeah. around. And again, yeah. like I say, the joy he has with what he's doing is so kid-like yeah. that that makes him seem young. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I bought it. And in a way that, you know, I uh, have a hard time with the other tintin stuff. <laughs> uh, so I would say to a Tintin fan, watch it. I think you, I think it's, that one is definitely a worthwhile watch. The next one, no. But this one, yes. Uh, in, a couple of little interesting bits of trivia about this film. One is that uh, the actor who played Angoropolis, who was the guy who gets hired on the boat and Tindon has a fight in, in, the, in the room with. Yeah. He, Good fight. Uh, uh, actor's name was Marcel Boussofi, and he was the hitman in The French Connection that Gene Hackman chases after oh. in his car. Yeah, and Very shoots right. at the subway station. Cool. And another, uh, George Wilson, who played Captain Haddock, his son, Lambert Wilson, uh, played the Merovingian in the Matrix movies, if you remember that character. Yep. I know those films are, I've only seen those films once, so actually I'm, no, I do I'm know not that absolutely character. familiar. Uh, but also, uh, what was interesting is he screen tested as James Bond for the Living Daylights. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Yeah, I that was interesting. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's go on to what I described as the hapless Tintin and the Blue Oranges. Okay, so we're going on to Blue Oranges. Let's unless you want, to... unless you want to see something more about. No, there's nothing else. Uh, okay. I, again, uh, you know what it did remind me of, uh, and I said this to you at the time. The Blue Oranges or this, Golden Fleece? No, the Golden Fleece was when I used to watch like uh, Pippi Longstocking. Yes, when yes. I was a kid, and they were yeah. dubbed in that exact same way, yeah, and it's I terrible. felt like there was infinite Pippi Longstockings every every Saturday. And well, why weren't there more Tintins? Yeah. And the reason there weren't more Tintins was they did this Blue Oranges one, <laughs> even though there's supposed to be more after that. But holy moly, is this this, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's the reaction, terrible. here's the thing. Let me it's tell terrible. you what the Blue Oranges was like. There's yeah. a scene in the Blue Oranges where uh, Calculus eats a Blue Orange. Yeah. And you think, this looks like it could be interesting. Perhaps it'll be good. It's bitter and horrible, and you spit it out. And that's what it feels like this film is yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> is that right? Right. 
please, well, once again, have, the Golden Fleece was a moderate success. Right. It wasn't like as big a success as they thought. So blue oranges, reduction in budget. So now your oh, budget goes down. Ever. <laughs> is there ever a reduction in budget? So the original Very Good Haddock, George Wilson, is replaced by an actor named Jean Bouis. And wow. he is not very good. And his, it's, 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 well, let's, we'll just say, uh, Professor Calculus, who's played by Georges Lorio in The right. Golden Fleece, he's replaced by a fellow named Felix Fernandez in, in this film. And the Thompsons, who I actually don't mind in The Blue Oranges. Yeah. They're uh, better. They're better than how the they Thompsons. Look. Yeah. How they look. Uh, except for the hair. In the original film, oh, they're played by okay. twins. And why don't you like the hair? Well, I'll just say, just say, they're originally played by okay. twins. Now, these were two, uh, cousins who were wrestlers. And, you know, they gave them false noses to increase their resemblance to each other. But the hair, they did like this monk-like tonsure, which is like the, where they shaved your head, like shaved a kind of a yeah. bowl shape into your, into your hair. And that's what they did with these guys. So you get this like horrible, obviously shaved hairline. Yeah. And then they drew with like a, a mascara yes. strands of hair across it their head. It looks like the laziest Halloween costume. <laughs> what are you doing? Just get some hair and put it, because, that's how I call them over goes. Because in the film. How hard is that to do? In the film, there's a really interesting sequence of them, like split screen of them in each of the going into the room. Yeah. Yes. And sort of, and the idea, it should have been done like with a metronome so they could time it better. Yeah, it's, it's sloppy. It's, it's sloppily a good done. Idea it's a good idea, not, but yeah. like most of the film, well, there's not even very many it's good actually, ideas in the I film. I would say it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because here's what, ha- if you want to describe No, no, you, you can right. tell. What happens is uh, they they go into their individual rooms, which are side by side, separated by a wall. So we f- we follow both of them in and they, and they mimic what the other is doing, yeah. coincidentally. Yeah. And then what happens is, uh, and so, but not well. It's like yeah, imagine, not quite. The timing's a little off. And we've seen this kind of gag before, where it's it's two people in a mirror, and you know, it's not really there. Eh. Yeah. So we've seen it. So it's a little off, and it's like mm, it's not really playing because of that. But then one of the Tom, then there's a knock on the door. Yeah. We go to the one room, and one of the Thompsons goes, "Come, come along," and like I'm off my way, and so you go off, and then you go to the other one, and the Thompsons in there. Yeah. Like, oh, what's, what's going, going on? Yeah. And then yeah. another Thompson comes in. And it's like, yeah. oh, this is. That's it's scary. Good. All this of a sudden, it becomes a David Lynch movie. It's like, what? What's happening? That's right. This There's a light flickering. Hor- this is horrific. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? <laughs> and then it turns out it's two other people dressed as Thompsons yeah. doing some business. But yeah, yeah it's uh, it's one of the better uh, scenes in this uh, absolutely awful movie. Let's get more into it. <laughs> and then, uh, so besides uh, Jenny Orléans, who played uh, Bianca Castafiore, obviously with a also with a rubber nose, mm-hmm. uh, everyone else in the cast were drawn from the local population of a very small Spanish town, Spanish-speaking town. Yeah. It uh, feels like a repertory theater company. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the continue of the sort of downgrading. So the first film goes to Istanbul, Istanbul and, and uh, or goes to Turkey and Greece and has, all, you know, has this great background and everything like that. This film goes to some little village in the, what would it be, the east... I'm trying to figure. Yeah, the eastern side of of Spain, this in the Valencia region, uh, a little town called is it called? It's called Burgessot in Cimat de la Valdinia, and they filmed a lot of stuff at a monastery there. So that's why it doesn't really look like anyone's house because it's a monastery. Mm -hmm. Why 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 get a house when you can have a monastery? The monastery of Santa Maria de la Valdinia, Gandia, and Chativa in España. Now the captain. 
Thanks for going. That I'm well gonna done, re- I'm gonna return that Spanish accent now. I <laughs> sure. Borrowed it. Good. Return it. Uh, the captain. Get my refund. Basically, we went from a guy who's playing a, a fairly broad character in the previous movie. Like yeah, he's, he's generally, but, but he does it well. And again, I'm I'm watching the dubbed version, and almost all the dubbed versions of Captain Haddock I've I've heard seem to just rip off Popeye. And oh, like, ah, we're gonna be scoundrels, go to school. It seems like that kind of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So, but this one, so so again, I'm not saying that the last one was subtle. No. But this one, this one is like British pantomime would just go up to them and go, take it down a notch, take it down a notch, <laughs> yeah. take it down a notch. And 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 I got mad at him for all the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he would just like dance on one leg and just yeah. like do these wavy arm things and like. What are you doing? That's no that's there's, a haddock. There's yeah, but there's also no reason for it in mm-hmm. the scene. It's yeah. not justified. But now here's the weird Even thing. Worse. Here's the weird thing is like afterwards you and I watched uh, uh the trailer yeah. and there's a take that he does when he sees the blue orange glow because yeah. the blue orange is phosphorescent. Yeah. And in the movie it's <laughs> oh, he does this huge. Yeah, that's it's the, almost like he goes in the next room right. with his, with his, his eyes back. pop out like he's in the mask. <laughs> It's just like, what's this? But in the trailer, yeah. the same scene, and he's, oh. Yeah. It's like, that's the take. Yeah. You had that take. So listen, I'm that's not right. blaming the guy. That's Clearly, right. the director thought mm-hmm. that the woohoo yeah. is the way to go. Yeah. So he's probably going, it's hilarious. You're making the camera guys laugh. Keep it up, buddy. <laughs> You're making the band laugh. That's right. And there's nothing better than making the band well, laugh. You know, you could be right. It could be like, well, it's kind of like Tom Cruise doing Eyes Wide Shut, where Kubrick made him do like 70 different takes. Of the scene until he like wore him down, and then he would choose like the weirdest worst take for the film. And this guy must have been doing that too. He's like, no, no, play it up a little. Just do a couple where you really, yeah. no, really do it. it. Yeah, have some fun on. with it, you know. And we'll just see how it goes. And then he just took every one of those scenes. He cho- chose those yeah. above the actual. It's just what are you thinking? Because I was like, this guy must have not done any movies after this. Like this would have ended his career. But he actually had like a, a fairly successful career after that. Like he did a lot of stuff after. Oh, I'm sure he did. But and he I'm had a like, director who did it. Used the good takes. Yeah. Like, like t- the actor playing Tintin is still grounded. Yeah. Like he's still sitting there. Like I don't know what's going through his head because he's been through a, a fairly okay movie. Yeah. And he's watching this all happen. Like, eh? I don't know. Maybe. He said he enjoyed it. He actually he actually enjoyed acting with the kids. You know, because that's what he enjoyed doing was working with kids. So right. he enjoyed that element of it. Whereas for the rest of us, we're all like, "Why are these? Why are these kids here?" Let me make this comparison. This is little rascals. Uh, the first Tintin movie is like Highlander. It's not great, yeah. But there's some stuff that you'd go, yeah, see it, watch okay. it. Sure. This film is Highlander Two, mm. which is whoa. Like I know there's people <laughs> involved that were involved in the last one. They must be like going, uh, maybe they'll fix it in editing. I don't know. Even like Calculus is so badly. It looks again. Everyone looks like they're in a Halloween costume. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas in the last one, it looked like an actor playing this bizarre character. Yeah. Here. And the whole idea behind it is there's starvation in the world. Yeah. We're going to like make a, a food that can grow in deserts. Yeah. And uh, one of the foods that gets delivered is a blue orange. And so yeah, because yeah, he makes a request on the television for help. So so he receives this orange from this doctor or for, for a scientist. Yeah. And so, yeah. Can, yeah. And can... so ends up getting kidnapped. And so uh, it's like here's the, here's the thing uh. about the film. It's tough to it's tough to describe because it felt like they got bored of whatever they're going to do. So so calculus gets kidnapped, or which is yeah. fine in a Tintin thing. Calculus getting kidnapped, yeah. that's a thing that happens. But like he disappears then for almost the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He'll go for like an hour, and then of course they'll cut to him, and he'll be like, "What's going on? Oh, him, right? Calculus. Yeah, that's him. Okay, what? And then you get long stretches where you'll have the Thompsons, and they'll be uh, they'll see a bull, and they'll be chased by a bull, and they'll do some you know hiding. 
everything in barrels. But it's done so slow. It's so slow. <laughs> you think like that sounds funny, right? Yeah. There's stuff you can do with that. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it sounds like it's not. No, no. And then the big climactic scene, like there's a there's a distraction scene. Again, it sounds like we're not telling you the plot. There ain't no plot. No. There's no plot. It's, it's just a reason to set up yeah. all these wackadoodle back of those. Well, and it's you know just what? like it's like they wanted a holiday in Spain. Yeah. So they moved the cat. Like the film. Here's the, oh, here's the thing we didn't mention. It's miraculous. Okay. The film it is partially written by, uh. Oh, yes. The original writer of the first, of, of Golden Fleece. Yes. It was also written by the producer, Andre Barat. Fair enough. There was an, the director also had his hand in. I'm There's not a different director in this film. A guy named, people. a guy named Philippe Condrier. I'm going to drink this glass of water while you're talking and just keep telling me all these things that sound sensible <laughs> okay. and normal. This okay. director, no, Philippe no, Condrier, no, no. who, by the way, no, has no, no other credits. He's not even he's not even like searchable on Wikipedia. He doesn't, it doesn't exist. I'll keep drinking this water then. And so then, uh, but here's the amazing thing. What's that? The fourth person writing this film. Just gonna drink this water. Rene Goschini. Uh, Where would I hear him from? Where is uh, he? From? Asterix. Do you know? Asterix? <laughs> How did he get involved in this? <laughs> what did he? It's do? terrible. <laughs> like. Like, I know we've talked about how Hergé had a little bit of rivalry with Asterix. Yes. It feels like, oh, and then, like, Brutus shows up and stabs Caesar in the back in this movie. It's so... Oh, okay, yeah. let me tell you my least favorite scene in this uh, terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> okay. So they have to do a distraction, mm-hmm. okay? Because they're going to sneak into whatever they're going to sneak into. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're sneaking in somewhere. Yeah. If Tintin's not fighting, it's not an interesting movie. That's about um, it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tintin fights, or if Tintin, or the flamenco dancer is not or, dancing, right? Or they fall down a hole, and Tintin's got to climb a large rope. And that was like, good. That was very good. Yeah, actually and he climbed really it. Climbs it, and yeah. you go. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And that actually felt again a little Raidersy, and it was nice. Yeah. Uh, here's the worst. So they're gonna have to do a distraction. So they tie a pan to Snowy's tail. Oh. And Snowy has to run oh. with the pan on his tail, and you can tell. Not the Snowy's tail. Oh, wait, wait, let me finish okay. this one. No, it's going to grow in horror. So so Snowy runs, and you can tell the dog's not enjoying this. No, he's not at happy. At all. Now, let's just say, in the previous movie, yeah. one of the one of the uh, move, mo- moments is Snowy gets dropped a bit. Like, people are holding oh my Snowy, God, yeah. and then it's like, well, drop him, and you drop, they drop him hard. Yeah, like a rock. Like, you don't see yeah. him fall off camera. Like, you don't yeah. see what happens. Maybe there's yeah. a cushion. I hope but so. But it doesn't look like there is, yeah. and Snowy goes, like, yeah. a little bit. Mm. It's so weird. It's like he... Like he suddenly grew very hot and had to drop him. <laughs> yeah. So Strange. anyway, in this film, yeah, they tie stuff to Tony to his tail, a pan, and he runs, and everyone's chasing after Snowy in a hilarious Benny Hill style fashion. Yeah. Well, that's not enough. No. What we got to do now is tie uh, pans and pots to every animal on this farm's tail, and all these animals who clearly don't want this are are running, and people are chasing them, and. Maybe back in the day that was hilarious, but nowadays you look at it and just go. I don't even think this back in the day because it's done so slowly. Once again, it's yeah, it's, it's not it's this, funny. It's this grindingly long scene oh, of all these animals, brutal. and then all this antic music playing while characters oh. ineffect ineffectually chase animals that are have stuff tied to them. Like you can't catch something that has a pan tied to its tail. Seriously, so you've got these people who are like purposefully moving slower than, than and then they can. Crank up the film oh, and then speedy. It's, so it's just like yeah. So Once terrible. again, uh, Benny Hill uh, stuff is subtle compared to this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And then what's weird is that so you have this so you have this kidnapping element to it, right? And I'm I'm still not quite too oh, sure yeah, who was who was doing the kidnapping. I don't know. I don't really know either. And Someone. then I think I was, my, there was a guy. There was a guy who was, kind of, who was talking kind of, through. 
a, a speaker, yeah. and then there was a thug yeah. who would go up to the two pro- the, the two professors or who had been kidnapped. Who had been kidnapped? And went, you better invent something good. <laughs> and I was like, did they invent something good yet? <laughs> yeah, boss. It looks like they invented a thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, what's this? And what's then, this? And then uh, and then there's these, these Arabs show up out of nowhere. True. This weird subplot of like, True. like it turns out, no, the Arabs have stolen this thing or something has happened with, and then they've got something. And, and then, so then the captain and, and, and Tintin have to, by the way, slowly <laughs> and very, and very and much in the hammy way, row up to this boat. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of business where, they're sneaking up to the boat, and then everyone's yelling out a porthole to each other. <laughs> like, so of course these guards realize they're there. You're yelling. At, shouldn't someone say like, "Shh, we're trying to get you out secret"? No. By the way, in uh, that man in Rio, yeah, uh, there's some good porthole work in that. They do a porthole rescues type situation there with a boat, and they actually do, do oh, some yeah. nice exchange yeah. back and forth. If you That's want to fine. see a porthole thing done correctly, yeah. that way. Yeah. Now back to this film. Continue. <laughs> and so. Then there's it's possible to do it right. So yeah, then they end up on this boat, and then there's a, a sequence where. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we've forgotten about that. I'm I didn't sorry. Forget, forget the there. worst part. I, this, this is the worst this part. Is the worst this part. is the worst part. So you have this boat, this yacht yes. that's got all these armed oh, guards on it. Yes. And then Tintin and Captain Haddock send children armed with sticks to attack these Arabs with guns. Uh, right. We've set up beforehand that there's a kid. Okay. Here's oh, a yeah. We forgot to mention this the, is the, the child army. All right. So there's so, oh, so Haddock and Tintin are walking through some sort of, not castle, but some sort of building. Yeah. And a, and a young boy goes up and goes, Tintin. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I'm Tintin. And then Captain the Haddock comes down. Yeah. C- Captain Haddock comes down the stairs. I'm Captain Haddock. Yeah. It's like, okay, so. He, they're famous enough that this kid knows yeah, them. Sure. And so uh, Tintin's uh, basically goes ret- recruits this kid to do yeah. all his dirty work. Yeah, it's like, right. you got any friends? I do have friends. <laughs> Let's go meet them. So it's like this gang. Yeah. Of, of, so they're hiding in a house. Right. There's a gang of boys and one girl. One girl who has there like they do weird lingling, lingering shots on her and her looking at Tintin doe eyed. <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> so uh, so listen, kids. If you want to help Tintin, what yeah. I want you to do is go and talk to every stranger you can meet. Because we've established that the, the yeah. villain has a tattoo on his wrist. On his, on his, on his, oh, by his wa- watch. Why yes. is, by his watch. Yeah. So like, all right, children, go talk to every stranger you can meet. And and if any of them have a tattoo yeah. on the wrist, then communicate back to me. So go talk to – okay, kids, let me make this perfectly clear. Go talk to strangers. Yeah. All – the more oh, dangerous, the better. That's right. With mustache. That's right. A man with dark hair and a mustache. Only men with mustache. That's right. So, so then you have a montage of them approaching men in alleys, <laughs> uh, bus depots. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And, in uh, in the brothel, <laughs> wherever wherever men are. And but the kids. But the thing is, is the kids aren't like spying on them, trying to see if they have. They like they go up to them, physically grab them, lift up their suit suit sleeve, and then go nope, over and over and again. Then go to the guy next to That's them. That's right. Okay, so anyway. It's not even suddenly done. Like, so if that wasn't oh, dangerous enough. All these enough, kids are in, yeah, mortal danger. As we've established, there are these Arabs with, with auto- rifles. semi-automatic rifles. They have rifles. And, uh, yeah, they send the kids to go fight them. Children's Crusade all over again. Yeah, yeah. these kids are running in. And, and it's just terrible. And the, but the best part of it is, of course, children fighting men. You guys distract them while yeah. Tintin go does this. That's right. And... And so the the hilarious part of it is the kids become like stuffed animals attacking them. Like there's this one guy, he's like holding the kid and like 
hitting himself with a child to make it seem like he's being attacked by this kid because this kid's fighting adults. So this really, in reality, it wouldn't last very long with or without rifles. No, they just pick them up and throw them. That's in right the in the sea. water. That's yeah. right. That's the end of them. Oh. Or just oh, you seem to be uh, coming at us in a group. Yeah. Uh, I have a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Oh, I know. That's the thing. It's just like one of those scenes where it's like, Wah! and all the kids are screaming and yelling like it's the greatest yeah. thing in the world, all running towards them, waving their hockey sticks or whatever they have, their you know field hockey sticks and things, and then. And the best part, though, is after they've after these kids have miraculously, you know, <laughs> yeah. conquered the Arabs yeah. with guns, they're standing there in a big group, and they're like, "Yay for Tintin! Yay for Tintin!" And one of the kids is waving a sledgehammer, <laughs> which they didn't show at all in any of the fight sequences, because that would have been kind of interesting. So is this the one kid who's actually knocked out people through the. That's soul? right. One kid, Thor, uh. is there with Mjolnir, waving it in the air, and you're like, I would have just loved to see a kid uh. even try to. You know, and then you're thinking, you know, it's not even a kid holding that. It's just a crew member on his knees filling in a little, you know, just needed some people filling yeah, in the background. There's a whole bunch of little people that are now dressed as children who yeah. actually can't fight. It's, that okay. Film. Well, now I get this because there's, uh, you know, there's a thing in fan fiction, uh, where they call the Mary Sue character. Okay. And the Mary Sue character, you probably know what this is, but I'm going to explain it anyway. The Mary Sue character is when a writer is writing fan fiction, it, there's a character that is basically them in the story. Okay. So it's a Star Trek and now, uh, there's a new crew member. Why on is board, it called the Mary Sue? I believe because one of the first characters uh, who who's famously did this was named Mary Sue. So it's like okay. let's just let's just leave like Mary Sue whatever shows up on the okay. bridge of the Enterprise. Khan's attacking. Oh darn that Khan! Uh, well, I've got you now, Captain. Oh no, none of us know what to do. Wait, I've got an idea. What is it, Mary Sue? <laughs> uh, I think what we should do is we should uh, direct all the medical uh, waste uh, and throw it out, and uh, and then it'll distract him, and he'll be grossed out, and then we shoot him. And we'll send the children after them. <laughs> we'll send the children out through torpedo tubes. Anyway, and then, their sticks. and then the idea is, you're the best, Mary Sue. You're the best. Thanks for helping. Yeah. And so when this one kid shows up, it literally feels like a kid who's a fan of Tintin yeah. teleported himself into this. <laughs> doing, hi, Tintin. It's me. Yeah. I have no reason to know who you are. And there's the captain. I'm here to help. And so, and 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 I guess as kids, watching but the weird this, thing is the kid would, who first speaks to them can't speak can't speak French. He only can speak Spanish. Oh, that's right. There's so much problems. <laughs> there's one kid who speaks French because apparently so his mother's the French. French kid is reading the actual French Tintin comics, maybe. And I don't yeah, know. but very if odd. you're a kid watching this, it's all strange. It is believable to you as a kid that kids could beat up these gentlemen. Because you're a kid. I guess. And kids, a bunch of us could beat up a bunch of thugs. I guess. They believe it. That makes sense. But yeah, again, as adults watching this, you're a monster, Tintin. <laughs> it's terrible. What's wrong what with you, you? What have you you're done? You're a horrible human being. And then, yeah, hurry for Tintin. He did nothing. <laughs> you you, you like, conquered. You it's fought. It's like the cannonballs are <laughs> cheering for the general. <laughs> this is so weird. It's such a strange film. It's so irritating in every way. There's also a, a sequence in a market where they're being chased by the police oh, and it's just boy. one of those sequences like that would have been very popular like you know it's something that you'd see like on the monkeys yeah where you put like last train to clarksville yeah. and then you have people running around the film this has like irritating you know like circus music playing and then it's obviously completely unscripted and everyone is just like well maybe you could run over here and then run there and then the police will run here and then but it makes no sense you know, like it, if the policeman just shot them that would be the end the, of it is this the one where the market has the guy stacking the oranges precariously yeah, yeah. like ridiculously like yeah huh? oh that huh? scene and then he puts the one orange on top and then a cart comes by with with the captain and the captain like knocks the oranges the oranges all fall down and the guy loses his mind <laughs> 
loses his mind over this. I know he's so it, mad. There's gonna be like uh, there's gonna be a holy war yeah. over this, and then yeah. the the cab driver comes out and starts yelling at starts him. Starts yelling, and then and then Captain Haddock helps the situation because this guy is so mad about his oranges being destroyed. Captain Haddock holds him up and goes, "They're just oranges," and then he throws them away. <laughs> like that's gonna calm the guy down. Oh, they're just oranges. You yeah. did these oranges I was so mad at you hitting. I'm glad you just threw them away. Some are still good. You know, they're, yeah. they're still saleable, Captain. <laughs> yeah, you horrible rich man. Quit standing on one leg, waving your arms. And then it's, and oh yeah, that's the whole thing is like he's doing, he's doing like moves that Daffy Duck would go, once again, take, take, <laughs> take it down, that. take it down. What the I mean the old crazy Daffy Duck. Yeah. Now, and then it ends with, uh, there's a, you know, so every, so everything happy, it's good. Uh, so it's like, there's mm. a, there's a big, uh, there's a picture being taken in front of Marlin Spike Hall. And so it's everybody lined up, oh, and, no. including children that they yeah. shipped over. Who yeah, the two boys. Yeah, they must the all be orphans. Boy they're, they're orphans. Yeah, and, so, so. and so they're there. And Their they're parents were killed in the great boat fight. <laughs> That's right. So... <laughs> What you don't see is how many the kids... The orange avalanche. There's a few yeah, parents in that right. town. Their parents had scurvy. Them. They needed a couple oranges to save their lives. <laughs> did not happen. You don't understand how captain, everyone's dying of scurvy. The, the captain threw them away. That's right. They're just oranges. Yeah, nothing. Your life is worthless to me. <laughs> so anyway, I was getting the picture taken. Yeah. Uh, and I'm spoiling this for you because don't see it. Uh, so they're all getting their picture taken. You know, old-timey camera. Yeah. All right, everybody smile. And they all do a little smile. It's like, mm. And then uh, into Marlin Spike Hall, like through the gate, uh, comes a car, and it's the it's the Thompsons. Yeah. Uh, they 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 drive the car. They, it's out of control. It smashes into a fountain. They go flying out of the car. Yeah. Uh, into the it's, fountain. It's, it's authentic. It's a Citroen 2CV, which is the car that they drove in all the Tintin series. Very nice. Uh, they go flying out. Uh, they're standing up, clearly horribly injured, <laughs> and everybody bursts into. <laughs> Insane thought, <laughs> or oh, that's delightful. But <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like there's crazy. guns pointing at them off screen. Oh, I want you to laugh at this moment. I'm so sorry for doing that to your ears, podcast <laughs> listeners. But my gosh, it's the most ridiculous thing. And then yeah, then they freeze frame it like it's a 1970s cop show. <laughs> oh yeah, it ends like a He-Man episode. Right, and then Not at well. that point, Dave and I both look at each other and go. Should we wake up the people in the room that fell asleep during this or not? <laughs> yes, there was some sleeping. There is some. And I don't blame them. Straight out. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. The other thing is, like, I, I bought these films. I didn't, I just didn't watch, we just didn't watch them on YouTube. Right. I, I put, paid good money for these movies. And this and, film. And you went like, oh, this will be great because there's all these extra scenes. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot about that. And, and, nope. And I thought, well, this has, you know, been remastered by British Film Institute. Sure. So that makes it sound like it's gonna be pretty good like uh-huh. it's gonna you know they've they've taken the time and trouble to to sure take this have. film and oh my gosh why do they bother <laughs> british film institute you know in this film is put in a garbage can and then step on just jump up and down like it's grapes in a barrel yeah there was supposed to be like another tintin film but this is the reason there isn't a tintin yeah film there's gonna be a third one yeah, yeah but, nope. you know maybe if you kept that guy ditched the director maybe he could have done something but boy howdy uh, this was a stink a doodle stink a doodle so what happened next david uh, well, I just want to say just a few more things about Please the do. film, which is that uh, I was going to talk about Snowy in the All movies. Right. Go ahead. Because I was reading about it. It's interesting. He was played by up to seven different dogs. Uh, the, well, they the, kept the, dropping them, and going right. through them, and some of them would just have stuff tied no, to their tails. Some of them were un, some of the dogs were understudies. Okay. So they're just there to fill in for the main dog. So what happened was uh, the dogs they came from a Belgian breeder, so they actually were Belgian dogs, and they had to be trained for different scenarios. So for instance, there was the main Snowy. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And Talbot worked with him. Jean-Pierre Talbot, who played Tintin, worked with, with the Snowy. He would visit twice a week, and they would do stuff together. So this dog got used to him and was trained to, like, follow him, jump into his arms, and all that kind of they stuff. They did seem to have a nice little relationship. Yeah, yeah there was a good yeah. vibe between Tintin and Snowy, especially in the first film. Then there was a Snowy that was especially trained for fight scenes mm -hmm. and who could bark and growl at, on command. Then there was a Snowy who played apprehensive and scared Snowy. Oh, God. So, so there's one Snowy they just keep scared. Yeah, yeah. Although he could just play scared. Sure. Because it wasn't not really scared. I hope so. But he could just react in a scared way. I hope. And then, uh, well, in the Golden Fleece anyway, there was one who was especially trained to roll on the ground and uh, extinguish a burning fuse. Oh, that. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't mention that. <laughs> there's a scene There's a scene where there's a big, long fuse. Yeah. Uh, and so you see that it's going. And yeah. then Snowy's like, I got to put it out somehow. And mm. in the comics, he yeah. puts it out the sensible way. Yeah. The way a dog would put that out. Sure. No, not in business. this one. Not in this one. He no. rolls onto <laughs> the, on the, the burning, fuse, burning yeah. fuse. Yeah, it's painful to watch. It's very painful to watch. Yeah. And then later on, they pick up Snowy and just go, "Snowy, you burned." Yeah, like ha 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 ha. Like oh, oh Snowy. Oh, he's just an animal. Uh, yeah, animals didn't feel pain. No, in the 60s. not at all. Not at all. The dogs were bleached white with a product used for whitening tennis shoes. And there's a publicity shot of Snowy having his hair dyed in a famous salon on the Faubourg Saint-Honoré, sitting between Claudia Cardinale and yeah. uh, Jean Moreau, sitting there between them getting his hair done. Right. All three of them being trained to put out fuses by rolling on them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's a, that scene uh, in uh, that movie that uh, Jean Moreau did. That one. What's that movie called? Do you remember that one? I don't know. I, I would have gone with either. Mission Impossible because that's a fuse that has to go out. That's true. But I, no, I'm thinking of an actress. She did an actual film and I can't remember the name of it, but I quite enjoy it. Actresses do do actual films. Uh, let's, move, let's move on from these films. Please. Because that last film was Done. a dud. You know what was good though is we watched The Man from Rio after we watched The oh, Blue Oranges. Oh, nice palate cleanser. So it was a really nice palate cleanser. People in the room uh, woke up for that one. Yes. They were happy they did. Yes. Uh, so in 1969, LeBlanc decided he was going to make an animated Tintin film that would be shown in cinemas rather than the television versions. And so uh, adaptation of The Seven Crystal Balls, Prison of Sun, was, that was what they decided on. Okay. And I guess I guess Hergé thought, finally, someone's listened to me. They're actually doing... Uh, I'll show them. I don't know how happy he was. when, But he actually did some of the character work on it and did some of the, the, the uh, storyboards and stuff for the film. So he did have some, some work, work in it. Uh, but the adaptation was done by Hergé's arch enemy, Greg. Right. We haven't said what the title of this one was. Oh, I'm we? sorry. This is uh, t uh, The Temple of the Sun. Okay. Tintin Temple of the Sun. Uh, yeah. Sorry, everybody. So this was the, the you know, it's weird. It was done for the cinema, but it's it's 77 minutes long, which doesn't seem very... Actually, that's not... That's I guess not for kids. Good. I guess that's... When I was when I was a kid, uh, we used to watch a lot of movies uh, on Saturdays, like yeah. in the theater. Yeah. And they were about that. You'd okay. see like a European version of Pinocchio or something. They'd all be about oh, that. Oh, that one. one. Well, Bel there was a lot Bell like Vision that. Bell Vision did that one. Pinocchio in Outer Space? No, it wasn't that one, though. Do you I know that I, one? I probably do know yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. Bell Vision did I that I saw one. like everything. I saw uh, it when I was a kid. and was I actually liked it as a kid. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it now. We'll talk about it in our Pinocchio cast. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so, what Greg did the, the adaptation. He dropped most of the first book. Mm -hmm. So, about the first 15 minutes of the film kind of compresses one whole Tintin album down into... Yeah, we get to the point where you get to see all the people going crazy in yeah. the bed. But it kind of removes that a aspect of it where... It, to me, it removes like the spookiness of the the mummy and the idea of the curse and stuff like that. It kind of takes away that element of they're trying to stop it from happening and they can't. Mm -hmm. and there still was some surreal stuff. I, I think if I was watching it as a kid, it would like freak me out a little bit. Um, now, Greg, I guess we know who wanted to add more sex and violence to the Tintin magazine. Uh, also added the love interest 
uh, to the film, the little Peruvian boy Zerino gets Meta, the daughter of the Grand Inca, is sort of that's his. And, and also, uh, in order to pad it out, they added the musical sequences. Oh my mercy! <laughs> well, here's the thing: I watched the I watched Lake of Sharks first. Yeah. All right, and 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 and, and Me too. a little quick spoiler on that: the song is horrific in that. So when I was watching this, I was so happy that there wasn't a musical number. I was like, "This is great! They're not doing that musical nonsense." Yeah. And then you get to near the end. There it is. You can't do that with a movie. You can't save a musical number till the very end. Yeah, yeah. And then like now we're a musical. No, you're not. No, yeah. you're not. We had a deal movie. You can't pull this on me at this point. Boo. It's not as bad as the donkey song. We'll get to it. Uh in in the sharks. Yeah. But uh it's not it's not a winner. It's not something that people hum. Yeah. I didn't mind this film. I thought it was okay. The camera moves are good. Yeah. Like, it sounds weird, but it's like, there's good camera work. There's yeah. a lot of good uh, push-ins and pull-outs, and, and uh, it, it moves. The sequence it. on the runaway train was well done, yeah. I thought. It had yeah, a real sense of, of danger to it. Yeah, everyone moves correctly. Yeah. Uh, I thought the stuff with the Thompsons was good. Again, after watching, uh, it's so much better than Sharks. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm judging it uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, like, as, uh, you know, it's not, again, Disney. It's not uh, top-of-the-line animation, but it uh, moves along in a good clip. And if you're just used to, say, the Nelvana animated stuff and you watch this, it's head and shoulders above that. So what are you going to do? Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was okay. Characters act like characters? I would have preferred it, once again, to be a little faster and have more of the first book in there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they wanted to... I mean, it's it's all about time, I guess, for films, so... They couldn't add another 13 minutes to have more of the first book in it, I guess. Make it a 90-minute film. Mm-hmm. Hello? Uh, but no. More songs, please. Uh, it was okay. My, one of my issues watching it was how freakish Zarino looks in the with his giant blank eyes. Okay, yeah. You know, he looks almost like the mother from Coraline. Coraline you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. this giant weird blankness to it. You know, Because, you know, Tintin's eyes are blank, of course. But, you know, they're small in the comics, so you don't really see that. Uh, they made them slightly bigger for the Bellvision cartoons they they made the eyes bigger for all the characters which is okay for Tintin and, and Captain Haddock who have big heads yeah. but when you're putting them on a little boy yeah, suddenly they look he looks like an ant up. you know yeah it looks very strange well i look in these kind of things and go like are they using the medium for what the medium's good for yeah. and you know i think like when we're talking about you know fleece i think th- that used the medium well i yeah. think one of the mistakes that the, sorry i'm going to go back to it real quick sure, one fine. of the mistakes the blue oranges made was they tried to make it like a comic they did things like they actually had the caption boxes yeah. show up yeah. it was like knock it off but it's arbitrary it's arbitrary and then it doesn't happen later it's like yeah. uh, you just Given a half effort yeah. to all this, you're not doing what a film does. Yeah. Uh, but this, I thought, when they were being an actual animated film, like when they're showing all of the scientists falling into the sleeping sickness, mm-hmm. they had kind of surreal backgrounds. They're walking through doors that aren't connected to walls and just passing out, and you see sort of symbolically what they're working on in the background. And I thought, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing they're doing a nice job with yeah. that. It's yeah. uh, they're adding to the story. They're not just yeah. Tintin's dream sequence is very good too in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. You're doing something that animation can do mm-hmm. that that comics can't necessarily do yeah. so yeah. yeah that that i think is uh, is the right way to go and yeah, it was all right yeah I, I got no major objections I, to this i enjoyed it i st- i don't think it's as uh I wouldn't as go so far as, as to say enjoyed, but I would say it was inoffensive to me. <laughs> inoffensive, yeah. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say enjoyed, because once again, I watched that movie while I was doing something else. Yeah, if I, I was a, if I was a kid, I would not turn this off. I'd be fine with. Yeah, this. yeah. No, yeah. I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I would have sat there like a stone and watched it. But I did it with a lot of stuff, so I can't say that that's yeah. a sign of quality. You're a kid; you'd watch anything. I would watch paint dry rather than get anything up. Anything but golf. Oh yeah. Uh, 
Now, this film is often blamed or often uh, castigated as being the first film where Tintin wears, no longer wears the plus fours, but wears oh. the uh, the horrible brown trousers. Okay. And, which is not true, actually. This was not the first appearance of the brown trousers. Where were they? Well, actually, there was a film that was made before this, a very short, it was like a 15-minute long, uh, it's hard to describe what it was. It's a, it was um, this film called Tintin, or Tintin and la SGM, which stood for the Société Générale des Minerals. So I guess the what was what was this for? General Society of Minerals, uh, the, some sort of mining uh, group that hired uh, Bellevision to make a promotional film so about Tintin's their stuff. Talking about so yeah, Tintin's going like he goes like to the Congo and he goes to um, America to the oil oil rigs and he goes to Japan. Wow, is this? And he goes anywhere? to Marseille. You can see it online. Once uh, you can see a short clip of it online, okay. I will link to that. Okay. So that and remember, if David doesn't. Go to sneakydragon.com and get, get on. on me. Because what's interesting, what I was looking at, looking into it is, it was filmed on, it was filmed for on Super Eight, like Super Eight millimeter film. Okay, uh, it was done that way, and then it was later turned into a forty-eight page booklet, which was published by a company called Publi Arts, which was a publicity agency started by Raymond LeBlanc, and run by Guy Decisi, who had worked as assist, an assistant for Hergé, and so what they did was they. Their clients basically were the characters from Tintin magazine, mm. and they would they would you know kind of sell these characters as publicity you know for to work with products and stuff like that. Sure. So they're like, if you like such and such, you know, if you want to use Tintin to you know da da da, then you have to go through this agency. Blah blah. blah. So it was interesting. Uh, and like I say, it was something of a travelogue. Um, what I watched was it was completely in French, and so I didn't get much of it. Okay. But it's interesting anyway. So yeah, but that was the origin of the brown pants. That was the origin of the horrible brown trousers. I'm gonna blame the mining industry. <laughs> That's right. Strip mining brought us brown Those trousers pants. on Tintin. They came from the earth itself. It's not bad enough that they just dig big holes in the earth and just leave them these big scarred areas on, on in the world. They bring us terrible pants. They bring us Tintin. They get rid of his plus fours for them. Uh, so now we get we come to I think the best Tintin film ever made, 1972s. Uh, second animated Bell Vision film. Yeah. Tintin and the Lake of Sharks. I'm going to flip this table over right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So, so this film was entirely original. Let me just say this. It was in color. Yeah. It was in focus. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, I'd say so. Written? I'd say that was the thing. Yeah. I think there was a variety of different colors on the screen. Well, if you wanted like evidence of you know what Greg brought to... To, to Hergé what he brought right. to Tintin it's this film this was entirely original Greg he right. wrote he didn't work from a, from a previous no, script no he sure didn't he didn't take the calculus affair and turn no. it into a, Here's to what a he joke did. He, he went uh, he took uh, he went like hey that uh, red sea sharks uh, thing that had no sharks yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a movie called Lake <laughs> of Sharks I yeah. uh, have no sharks sure yeah, why not? Find me some sharks in this thing. What, what else? Where are the also, sharks, man? Why did he keep like faking me out on the sharks? What? Well, here, you know, there's so many He's questions. In the title, there's a shark in the title sequence. I will give you that. And then there you know, is this shark. shark will show up later. Uh, and then uh, Haddock is in the shark submarine from uh, Red Rockham's Treasure. Is that is that a shark or is it an orca? What is that? Submarine? It's a shark. It's a shark? Yeah. It's right. meant to look like the sharks that are in the water in right. Red Rockham's Treasure. Right, we don't Treasure. see and, uh, yeah. In this film, in this film. Uh, well, it's, it, it's only camouflage. It does, if you look like things that are there. It does Otherwise, borrow. It does borrow elements of Tintin, though. It has a theft in a museum. Sure. 
It has another dangerous invention from Calculus, kind of like the Sonic. Yeah, I'll give thing. you that. It has an Rastopopolis in it. It has a ca- it has Calculus, not hard of hearing. Very strange. And then it has um, Tintin and some sort of airplane mishap, which is a common theme in, in all that of That is the, true. It has you know, the captain when uh, there, there's a woman who knows something that they don't, uh, him going, give me five minutes alone with her. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to beat up this old woman for five minutes, oh, and then she'll start talking. That's not the worst part of the captain in that. His voice in the English. <laughs> it's worse than that. I can't imitate <laughs> it. My, my voice is still destroyed from last oh. week, but it is like, it's like a buzzsaw. It's like, it's like, he's like one of those people who have lost, they've had to have their, their, their vocal cords cut out yeah. because of their smoking and they have that little voice box. It's just been replaced box, by rocks. The little yeah. voice box where they're yeah. like, eh. I went to that. It's just so terrible sounding. It is, it is someone who's trying to do Popeye yeah. and isn't at all. And he does it for the whole film. But yeah, the idea that he's going to like, din. he's going to like interrogate this old <laughs> woman, European woman, yeah. you know, and like, give me some time with her. Like, well, that's the captain, right? He likes smacking around the ladies to get him to talk. In character all the way, Greg. Well but, done. But, well <laughs> done, you. But isn't like your. What isn't, okay, the movie starts with a theft in a museum. Sure, I'm a on pearl. board. Have a pearl. A badly rotoscoped car that yeah. comes in. They're like, yeah. well, that seems unnecessary. Sure. And then guys coming out rotoscoped, again, completely <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. Just draw guys coming out of a car. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you can do that, can't you guys? Right. This is about the part where steal... my wife goes, I'm not watching this. I, I don't blame you. See ya. <laughs> Go in peace. You're not getting paid like we are. We're That's not getting right. paid for this. What the hell are we thinking? Uh, it's, uh, but why do they steal the pearl? Brother, I don't know. <laughs> so, then, we okay. can, so that we can pan to a tank with a shark in it, yeah. so that we can like have the titles cards come up, <laughs> and we can go like sharks. Yeah, uh, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, and then oh, uh, don't even start with a plot. Forget <laughs> it. And then uh, it, uh, Bob Demore did a lot of the backgrounds for the film. Okay. Like, you know, he wasn't doing very much. I don't mind the backgrounds. They're he wasn't. There. He wasn't doing much in the in I the don't studios. Remember objecting to the backgrounds. So, they look pretty good. The backgrounds look pretty They're good. Fine. They're kind of overly detailed for me, but whatever. Right. Oh, by the way, let me just say with the uh, the last one, the Temple of the, uh, the Temple of the Sun. Yeah. I thought they actually did fairly good, uh, kind of uh, limited squash and stretch with the characters. I thought there was enough bounce in their walk, and they made them cartoony, but not too cartoony. Yeah. It was good. I, th- I think that worked. This one, no. This one, they're just all made of spaghetti and just little 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 all over the place. They basically look like they rotoscoped the captain from Blue Oranges <laughs> and just went to go with him. Go to go to town. Go with Lucy Lim Magoo. Then you I, know. I also enjoy the fact that okay, they're at the airport. Yes, they are. That's pretty good. Sure, it's the okay. airport looks fine. The captain has mysteriously taken up golf. We're not too sure why. And right. He's, he's taking going it to a customs. and he's taking it to a mountainous region, which I like. He's going to Sildavia. Yeah, I'm gonna take my golf clubs with me. Okay. What are you going to play in hill golf? Not too sure. Well, the, Extreme going, golf. Well, when he's going through customs, are you going to talk about the customs scene? Sure. Where he's, where he's going through and he's like, did anyone here speak English? Yeah. Like, why are you mad? And then the guy, he does speak English. <laughs> does speak English. So you're a jerk. And he knows, well, he did, but that scene is played out because he turns yeah. and blushes because he's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, but then they get on this plane. There's a bunch of people on the plane. There's like a panning shot down the, the, the fuselage or whatever okay. through the various windows and you see other passengers and yep. you, then you come to Tintin and Captain Haddock and then they take off. Then there's some sort of issue and then the pilot jumps, you know, leaves the plane. Right. And the passengers are gone too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it was like there is, there was like 48, yeah. 48 
parachutes, but there's 50 people on the plane, well, and Dave, Tintin we, and Haddock are too sorry, slow. I'm sorry. I don't think you understand what happened. Okay. Maybe you didn't see the version I did. Okay. Uh, the rapture occurred. Okay. Is that what happened? And all the souls Tintin didn't get to go. That's right. The pilot's a bad guy, oh. so he doesn't get to go. Uh, and yeah. And Tintin's needed on Earth. Well, Tintin... We need a superhero. Tintin, no, no. Tintin and the captain were there for the sins of being in that Blue Oranges movie. <laughs> They'll never and live so that they've down. got to oh. earn penance six, for that. Six circle of hell for that one. Right. Uh, but it's okay. The scene where he's landing the plane is fine. Yeah, yeah. We're all on board. Like, when it's Tintin and the captain and uh, the Thompsons, yeah, I'm sort of okay. But then they That's cr- all right. Then they crash. Yeah. And they meet someone who makes Mary Sue <laughs> look like... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we have the. What oh, are, this no. is what. But this is what makes the film appealing oh, for kids. Dear. It Tint, doesn't, though. Tint. You know that's not true, right? <laughs> no kid watches Indiana Jones and goes, oh, "I love shirt, shirt round. round. Shirt round's the one, man. <laughs> that's for me." Sure wish I could be shirt round. Sure yep. wish I could be that little kid. Yep. Uh, all kids want the all kids want to be Robin, right? Yeah. That's why every kid on Halloween wants to dress up as Robin. <laughs> No, they don't. No, they don't. So, uh, yeah. Oh. So we, you have these kids who, you know, and the characters, they could just get off the plane, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the kids have to come with their donkey cart, throw some ropes around the tail of the plane. Really too complicated. Oh, and then and then using their donkey and the cart to pull the plane so that the characters can climb out of it. Right. It's very Almost painful to watch. Almost killing the donkey. Almost killing oh. the dog. Almost killing everybody. I wish. It's a bad plan. <laughs> But they survive. Everyone survives. Yeah. And then it's and then, then it's it gets... the worst scene in the history of anything Tintin ever, <laughs> ever. Which is, uh, it's, it's it's the carts going down the road. Let me set this up for you. Carts going down the road, and we yeah. see the boy, and we see his. Uh, now this is Nico and, and... his sister Nush, Nushka. Okay. Uh, we don't see their dog Gustav, but Gustav is there. Gustav is always there. Doing some Gustav shtick because we need another dog we need doing another silent dog, stick. We've got that covered. Get a cat. Uh, so anyway, it's yeah. it's 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 uh, Nico and, and well, they Nish- have the donkey. Why do they need a dog? Oh, there's a lot of problems. So they're so they're and it's just the two of them yeah. with the donkey yeah. in the cart, yeah. and they're going along. And then we hear the donkey song that uh. I will never get out of my head. <laughs> uh, I tried to find a single like track of it online. Some people have taped it. But it's uh, but it's a bit. I love my donkey and my donkey loves me. Donkey and me and we make three. And it's just it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst song ever. Like I can't even tell you how bad this song is. Yeah. Just just. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Anyway, I I don't want to get into graphic but, details well, of what I would compare this song what, to. What's weird with the kids is oh my gosh is that they're given they're given eyes. Oh, their pupils. eyes are horrific. Yeah. So all the other characters have their blank. You know, their Tintin dot. Yeah. And then they have these weird almond shaped. Things. Right. Like so but they're doing the song and so they're singing the song and like this is not good at all. Yeah, yeah. And then they cut ba- a close up. We go from a, a long shot where we yeah. can see the kids yeah. to a close up and now Tintin's sitting next to them. Mysteriously. Where'd he show up? He just poofed yeah, and, sure. and he's got his arm around uh Nico like they're old ch- weirdly yeah. like old chums and he's just nodding along like this is the greatest song I've ever heard, patting him on the shoulder and they're like, You keep singing, brother, because this is the greatest song I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tintin. I felt like Tintin was just quietly trying to strangle him so that he would stop singing. It's like the captain just went, go out there. Just like wrap your wrap your hand, get your hand as close as you can to his mouth and just put it over his mouth. But no, we heard the entire song of Nico, Nushka, and the donkey. Painful. And, and yeah, at, at that point, I think I blacked out for a little while. <laughs> It yeah. was uh, it was it was terrible. Um, the villain in this, uh, not to spoil who the villain is y- yet, uh, goes by the name of uh, Mister Big. 
There's yeah. also uh, Shark King. Shark King. Even yeah. though there's no sharks, really. Yeah, uh, and we see just his back. He's at, a, he's at a chair, and he's got an amazing series of screens. And basically, he's Claw from Inspector Gadget. Because, like, anytime he wants something, like he wants a cigar, a little hand will come out of the machines. It will light the cigar. A little ashtray will come out. It's all that business. He wants a drink. Uh, one will be provided by his machine. And you're like, is he horribly handicapped <laughs> and can't move? Yeah. What's the deal with this guy? But it's like he's got this amazing series of contraptions. Yeah. Like, what's what's all this business? Yeah. What are you doing? What's the Why are we doing this? Well, why, are, why did you build a lair there anyway? We talked about this a, a couple shows back, but, you know, Calculus is, is in a house. I mean, the, I know the Thompsons are there. Yeah. But other than the Thompsons, which is practically like having nothing, like they could basically have a matchbox sitting on a chair and it would right. be equal to having the Thompsons there. So, Except a matchbox wouldn't light itself on fire. <laughs> it's true. And so they've got them and then they've, you know, his old, his old maid. Yeah. And so, you know, rather than just kind of storm the place and take what he wants, Rastopopoulos builds this elaborate layer under the water, like, it makes no sense, other than you want to have like a sort of James Bond element to That's it. That's exactly what it is. He's doing James Bondy type stuff. But it's but it's dumb. But it's really dumb. And then you find out who he is. Let's reveal it. It's Rastapopoulos. Hey, there he is. Oh, oh. boy. Yep. Yeah, it's a very so Rastapopoulos. At uh, one point, there is a, the exciting scene of like he ties up. Uh, Nico, Nushka, and Tintin. And uh, after he made a deal with Tintin, Tintin, if I tell you this thing, you're going to let the kids go. I sure will. Yeah. Okay, now let the kids go. Nope. I'm <laughs> like, oh, you monster. Yeah. Uh, where uh, water is rising, they've been tied up, and it's okay. like, uh, what would you call that uh, thing they're in? Like, uh, uh, it's almost like the Panama Canal, and like water. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a rock. rising water. Some kind thing. of a, you know, yeah. Anyway, when it gets to a certain sheet. point, it's going to blow up. And terrible things are going to happen. And yeah. They're going to drown and explode at the same time. <laughs> and all the things. And it's horrible. Yeah. And he's a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. Anyway, stuff happens and everyone gets, they're fine. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I, 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 I dozed <laughs> off again. You did. Well, I, uh, wake up. Yeah. But uh, Rastapopoulos has a thick German accent in there. Yeah, it's odd. So if you're worried that he was Jewish from before and that was a concern, yeah. uh, I don't know if that's why they gave him a, a German accent, but you know, it takes the edge off that, I suppose. Well, it's weird because in almost everything else you see, they never give the characters, uh, like, they don't give the characters accents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's odd. And so they do that. Anyway, uh, so if you like seeing the captain dancing uh, with the European women, who he doesn't threaten to beat up. Uh, <laughs> you get that, and Castafiore shows up. Yeah. And she uh, sings a bit. Out of nowhere. And she wants to dance with him. Yeah. And they dance. Yeah. And um, you see the donkey, you think, would do more, since we had a big donkey song. Yeah, yeah. Donkey yeah. doesn't do anything. Don- donkey doesn't really do much. You'd think, like, maybe that uh, Gustav the dog would uh, have some more action. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Not really. As much nope. as Snowy does. Yep. Snowy's fine. Snowy doesn't do very much uh, either. Snowy doesn't do very much. And then there's an interesting sequence where Tintin... Dis- okay, the old lady, she yeah. goes down to a well. Sure. She brings up a bucket yes. and has a walkie-talkie in it. Yeah. Right? Tintin discovers a, a clock that moves sideways. He goes down the stairs and it takes him to where the bucket is <laughs> yes. in the well. That's right. Why does she go that way? Yeah. Instead of being like out in public, yeah. she can sneak in through the clock thing, go down, grab her walkie-talkie, talk there. Yeah. But instead she walks outside in full view of everybody... Winds it up in a bucket, and then it's a very dumb. There's also a thing, stupid, as you mentioned, idiotic. The, the captain does get inane. into that shark submarine, right? Yeah. But the way they set it up is we got to do this thing, and they literally it really feels like they say this. Hey, remember we got that shark submarine from that other adventure? Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember that that book? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Let's write yeah. that. 
Yeah. So if you if you know the books, that's swell. If you don't know the books, oh, you just got one of these lying around? Yeah, remember we had that? Yeah, that thing. Yeah. We got that rocket, remember? That thing? We got the thing that digs in the ground and uh, we can go see the mole men. Whatever. We got that thing. Anyway, <laughs> it looks fine. That part is fine. When he's like in the shark thing, it's a little dangerous. It's exciting, I guess. And the, and, I, and one of my favorite Tintin things is that shark submarine. So yeah. good to see that. You were happy to see it again. I was happy to see that again. Uh, and then everyone does things in the credits roll and life goes on. <laughs> yeah. It was not, uh, it's not good. The Temple of the Sun, much, much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Greg. Moving um, on with our lives. So practice. Watch, watch Temple of the Sun. Watch uh, Fleece. Don't watch those other two. <laughs> Practically, uh, here's his last act, his last public or his last act as a curator of, of Tintin, was to negotiate the film rights for Tintin with Steven Spielberg. To him, uh, he believed that only Spielberg of all the directors could bring Tintin to life on the movie screen. Now, what had Spielberg uh, done by this point that led, uh, led him to believe that? Uh, I mean, his career wasn't really that far along. He'd done Duel, Jaws, Fifth, uh, Close Encounters, mm-hmm. and Sugarland Express. Okay. I think that's about it. Maybe he'd done E.T. in 82? Yeah, he'd done E.T. by 82, right? Okay. 81, was it, or 82? Wait, well, no, no. It was, Raiders was before E.T. Oh, so he'd done Raiders then. Okay. Because Raiders was 1980, that's right. So, okay. yeah, he'd already done Raiders. So yeah, so so um, yeah. Had he done Poltergeist by that point? He didn't do Poltergeist. Toby Hooper directed Pol- Why Poltergeist. Why am I thinking that he did Poltergeist? Was he connected with Poltergeist? He produced it. There we go. That's he did not direct it. All right. Uh, so then in uh, so yeah, so in '82, Spielberg, you know, contacted Hergé and sort of, he opened negotiations for the rights to Tintin, and Hergé had just spent like the last ten years of his life refusing to talk about film options, but he was flattered that that Spielberg contacted him. And so now the negotiations, I mean, it wasn't strictly between Spielberg and, and Hergé. I mean, they, you know, Hergé's lawyers talked to, uh, Spielberg's people. And, and so the idea was Spielberg was to both produce a film and he was going to be a director. And Hergé, he conceded more and more, uh, commercial, more and more on the commercial end to make the project, give the project a better chance of succeeding. And so to him, making money was less important than making sure that Tintin was in good hands. Right. You know, maybe he knew he knew the end was coming as well. So uh, now Spielberg's demands were were so severe, I would almost call them abuse. So he wanted total control of merchandising of the film. Okay. He wanted to keep for himself all the rights from the comic strips and any television series that might be derived from them. So and, if they did a new a new comic, yeah. based on the story that they do in the film. That's right. Okay. And he wanted sole artistic and commercial control of the whole project. And Erge agreed to this because he just wanted this. He really yeah. wanted this to get done. Uh, so then they were about to sign the, uh, paperwork when at the last moment, uh, Erge's advisors realized that Spielberg's people had snuck in a new clause, which was that in case the screenplay wasn't to, uh, Spielberg's satisfaction, he could assign the direction to someone else, which was totally what Erge didn't want. He yeah. wanted specifically for Spielberg to do it. And that was the deal breaker. The whole, the whole thing fell apart Absolutely. then. Erge walked away and that That's was the ridiculous. end of it. And that was the end of it as far as concerned. And Erge died and that was the end of it. But what happened was Spielberg negotiated more a more fair deal with uh with you know the uh, fan, you know the Erge Studios to Erge and basically he renewed it for like 20 years he kept renewing it because he really intended to do it and so that was what led to the in between that time they also uh, sold rights to Nirvana and a company in France to do the new adventures or the adventures of Tintin right which are the animated ones which, which just directly adapted to each individual very story. and very close yeah they're all they're done in two parts so basically yeah. two half-hour shows 
So around 47 minutes. Uh, they total would obviously take stuff time. out, like uh, if Tintin, say, disguised himself in blackface, that does That's not make yeah. it. If you, into watch the modern, the, if you watch yeah. The Broken Ear, the characters don't fall off the edge of the boat fighting and, 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 turn, and be cut off by demons. That's, that that's does not true. happen. Yeah. The, uh, the diamond just disappears in the water, and then they say, What is this, Titanic? Uh, so it's, um, it's okay. Like, it's it's yeah it's it's uh, listen if you compare it to say regular Saturday morning animation you know for the most fine. part yeah it's fine yeah. it's on it's on par and if it's very to accurate the, to 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 Hergé's style like it follows a clean line style very very yeah carefully. but again the pacing just feels it feels like the metronome's too slow yeah and yeah. it's all just too clean and everyone's too fine you know everyone's fine everyone's yeah. flawless yeah you know and uh, it, it, fe- it feels like one of the nice things about tintin is everyone with the exception of tintin is a flawed character well even tintin bumps his head and, and has he bumps pro- his head or makes mistakes yeah. misses something has to run back you know he, he he's not perfect no he's, he's not perfect but of the characters he's the one yeah that, he is you know. i mean it's not that he's perfect he is idealized in the sense that he is more honorable than anyone else that he's you know that he will not accept any money from any person living. You know. Right, uh, that is true, but that's not considered a flaw in the story. No, no, I'm not saying those are flaws. Yeah. I'm just saying that's. How, but, but physically, or you know, in terms of his actions, right. you know, in terms like in terms of this, the, what's happening in the story, he can make mistakes. He can mm-hmm. forget something and have to run back to do true. it. Ignore a clue like the but parrot. I and, would say, you know. I would say though, the, the difference between Tintin and the other characters, each of them has an obvious something you could call a sin. Yeah. Like, you know, the captain's the sin of drink. Yeah. You know, and the sin of anger, perhaps. Uh, and uh, the, with the Thompsons, it's the sin of vanity. They think they're better than they are. Yeah. And so these arrogant guys won't look at their feet and they fall down and that's that, sure. that's the thing. Yeah. And it's even, there's a sin of arrogance, I think, in, uh, in, in, in calculus in that like, like I don't need that. I don't need to, to to hear what you're saying. I can hear fine. Yeah, it's yeah. vanity. I'm not gonna put that horn to my ear. Yeah, no. You know, I know what's going on, and da da da. And then sure. quick to anger. You know, when uh, that. But Tintin doesn't have any of that. If he no, makes no. a mistake, yeah, it's an honest mistake that That's you know. True. Yeah, you would never call it a character. No, no, his ca- his character is idealized yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, those films. I mean, I I watched a few of them. One one thing I noticed when I was watching uh, the Black Island was there was a cameo from Hergé in it. I was like, oh, that was Hergé. He was walking down the the aisleway or the passageway of the train, and he looks into Tintin's compartment, and then he carries on. Right. And he I doesn't thought, turn to you and go, hi, Dave, because then you know you've gone crazy. That would be weird. Uh, <laughs> you've, you've, you've been doing too much Tintin is what he says. Put the books down, Dave. That's enough. <laughs> so I was I was working on something while I was watching those. I was doing stuff simultaneously. So I missed his a, a possible appearance in other ones but we looked it up and it turns out that he has a cameo every one of them. in every single one of those yeah. nelvana he does a hitchcock they were nelvana and a, a french company they were co-productions those right those, it does those. feel very nelvana like i've seen i mean I, I i used to be a big fan of nelvana with their more experimental stuff you know take me up to the ball game cosmic christmas devil and daniel mouse that sort of thing and then they did a care bears movie and everything kind of got safe it yeah. felt like for them yeah and this feels like part of their safe period of doing stuff yeah i'd actually have preferred and again this is just me it feels like a bit too much like we discussed on our other show the watchman movie how one of the flaws of it was it was just too what the actual comic was yeah, yeah. so it's unnecessary and that's what it sort of feels with this is like it feels like it just unfolds what happens in the comics but it would be nice to see an animator take it in their own direction with yeah. a little bit of style maybe a bruce tim or something just take it somewhere you know see, see what you're gonna do with it but you know yeah, that's for what it is it's you know uh, you can't complain about it because it is what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's a representation of what it is. Just it, at a slower 
<laughs> it's very digestible. And uh, all the sharp edges have been uh, sawed off. Yes. And uh, it's safe, and we baby-proofed the whole thing, and now enjoy this. Have your pablum. That's right. No one dies. <laughs> no one. Everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. Everyone, you see them parachute out of the plane, just the last second, they're fine. Everyone's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. G.I. Joe this thing. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, yeah, it's very modern cartoon. This is everything... There's no sharp edges. But it's right. probably what introduced uh, uh, Generation 2, the Tintin books. You mm-hmm. know, I'm sure a lot of uh, people, you know, that saw that, liked it, and then picked up the books and went, oh, these are much better. I'm, <laughs> on, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Oh, wait. So let's come to the very final film. So far. So far. Because <laughs> this is supposed yeah. to be a trilogy. It's the first Sure, of taking their time. But I understand that the Hobbit got in the way. The horrible Hobbit films <laughs> yeah. are even more, they worse. They need to make three Hobbit movies. Yeah. What do you got to do? do you, could they only make one Hobbit movie? Dave? Oh, that would be terrible. Would you like to live in a world where that's the case? Yeah. And then, and then we got a Tintin movie instead? Would yeah. you like to live in that world, Dave? I would. I would like to live that's in that world. That's a crazy world to live in, <laughs> that, Dave. That's a world I would prefer. I somehow would prefer that. Um, gosh, I hope they don't take like the Black Island and turn it into three movies. You know, Add a bunch of stuff from, from Lord of the Rings into it. <laughs> Why are these owls in Black Island? Uh, now, the film... Now the idea of the idea of Tintin. This is what I've heard okay. or read. All right, you should name what the film is. So we're talking about uh, the Adventures of Tintin. Uh, the, colon the Secret of the Unicorn. Secret of the Unicorn. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing about the when I was I was reading some uh, interview and they're saying what we're doing is we're transferring Hergé's style into uh, you know this digital animation the what they call it, motion capture animation yes but it's going to be very accurate to his style then you see the film and you go this is not accurate to his style there's you know there's no gin blossoms on in on captain haddock's nose in tintin there's in the movie because it's very realistically yeah a, a really realistic animation and i guess the idea is that they're realistically animating tin you know the characters of tintin so as if you were Seeing those characters in real life from the book, like how they would actually look in the book, now turned into real life. Well, not quite real life because you would never see anyone that looks like the Thompsons as they're represented no, no, in there. No, 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 but but I mean like the, as they are in the book. Yeah, you're now seeing them as they would appear in real life. If if you saw a person who looked exactly like Tintin, yeah, in a book. Well, that's the thing. In real life, Tintin looks okay. In real life, I could see someone who looks like Tintin. Yeah, I could maybe see someone who looks like the Captain. But when you get into uh, characters like. The Thompsons, yeah. you could not have a person that looks like that, or you just go, they're a monster. But they're, car- <laughs> they're a cartoonish exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, they are. Exactly. Someone like Alan, I thought they pulled off really well. I went like, that looks like Alan. Okay. That's nice stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, Castafiore, you know, looks like Castafiore. I actually mm-hmm. watched, uh, I got the DVD, I found a DVD, and watched okay. the making of, and they did everything. They did all the action. They like all the action scenes oh, everyone yeah. had to do and yeah, ran through yeah. it all, and they just built like a little, uh, you know, town of everything out of pipes. And you just run through it with your weird blotches on your face and you <laughs> yeah. know, microphone on your head, and then you, you take it all out. Yeah, it's uh, you know they they put in real acting. Unne- By the way, let me just say this much. Yeah, it feels unnecessary when you see all the. But work- they did that for the Fantastic Mr. Fox too. He took them all the actors to a farm. Yeah, and they had to run around outside and record their parts like in outside. Right, but they didn't do motion capture. I don't no, think. they didn't do motion capture. No, they no. just like that. I think is fine. It's yeah. like if you watch them act and then went, got it animators get on that but there's something about motion capture yeah that just feels it just feels weird it's it's this weird it's neither fish nor fowl it's yeah. like it's this middle ground and i thought the i thought the voices were fine yeah. i thought they especially like haddock i thought was good i mean same to Tintin. Andy, Tintin. andy circus yeah Tintin was fine andy circus so he can do no wrong it feels like um it's it's 
fine. Bell? Is it a- Andy Bell? I know, I know his last name is Bell. Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell, yeah. Who, who you might know as the thing from the Fantastic Four movie, which isn't out yet, but I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Wait, no, it's already out and it's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a real Lake here, of Sharks. Here's the nice thing. Yeah. He's not going to be busy doing a sequel to that, That's so right. he'll have time for Tintin. Phew. Yeah. They really blew orange to that. That'll be the new expression. <laughs> yeah, that one, blue oranges. Let's just say that. Sounds much worse than it is. Uh, yeah, I just don't see the point. Like, I don't see the point of putting everyone in the outfit. Yeah. And it's the, it's the new technology. I get it. But just because yeah. it's new technology, just animate it, brother. Sure. Have you seen a Pixar movie? Does anyone look at that and just go, ugh. Compared to this, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you see the two of them. You go like Ratatouille and then this. Yeah. Like, what's the better animation? Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Yeah. All right, Incredibles in this. What's the better animation? Oh, Incredibles. Incredibles. Yeah. Absolutely. And that didn't have anyone. Maybe there were some people acting stuff out to get the motions right. And you. And, and again, I, I did see a little bit of something uh, for the whatever the new film is, uh, Inside Out. And they hmm. took elements of like the actors' faces and they, okay. you know, gave you know gave uh, certain elements you know they watch them act and went yeah that that motion they do that hand thing let's pick that and i think that's fine but i just don't get why you have to motion capture it seems like a technology that it's not it's not necessary it doesn't really gain you anything yeah like, just look at how an arm works now you, now you're not held to that arm movement the actor made just make one do it the right way. You know where they like it probably is because it easily translates into video games because you already have all the motion capture information. Possibly. And I'm sure actors love it because they get to dress up and it looks like they're really doing it and they're part of it. And you yeah. can, you've got really fun footage then to show and just yeah. go, look at these famous actors. There's Daniel Craig and he's got his face covered in dots and now he's a villain. <laughs> That's neat to see, right? Yeah. It is. But to hell with it. Just have him do the voice and then animate it. Go to town. Uh, after watching the Blue Oranges... Not Blue Orders. After watching uh, Mr. the Golden Fleece yeah. and thinking about the new Tintin, I actually started thinking it would be interesting to do a, a com- combination of the two. So you could have a live-action Tintin, a live-action Haddock, but have an animated Snowy in the film and yeah. sort of animate elements of the universe, Merge of the world, up. you know, where so the plane is animated. Yeah. But there were, you know, this stuff like that would be animate interesting. Animate what you want. Yeah. yeah. You can totally do that now. And I think that would be kind of fun, actually. Like, you know, I've... I, I don't hate I don't hate the new Tintin film. I actually think it's kind of a I think it's a good film. I think I, it's well plotted. I think it's two very thirds exciting. Of a good film. Yeah. Two thirds of a good film. Uh, so you you don't like the end of it? You don't like the? Here's what I think. I think when it starts off and you see uh, Tintin and he's doing Tintiny things, yeah. and you really get that world. And you go to his uh, you go to his flat and it's like that feels right and everything is fine. Yeah. When you get to the th- by the time you get and you get some nice action with the planes and I really really like my favorite thing in there. Uh, again, I like when a film does something you couldn't do in any other medium. Yeah. I like when they're walking through the desert and then you're fantasizing of the ship and the ship's coming through the desert and then the sand turns into water. I'm like, yes, you could yeah. only do this with animation. You could only do this with CGI animation. Yeah. Perfect. And you're not, let me also say, you're not motion capturing the boat. This is just make em ups. <laughs> yeah. And it's the best thing in your movie. Yeah. So we're fine. So that's a fantasy scene. That all works. That all works. It all works. It all works. I like the pirates fighting. That all works. Yeah. Then we get to the, the last act. And it becomes, it's, it's what Spielberg does. Like, uh, if you saw the last Raiders movie, uh, where Shia LaBeouf is now on Vine swinging through the jungle yeah. with monkeys next to him. Yeah. And he's basically Tarzan. And you go, how did we get here? Yeah. How did we get here from where we were earlier, where Indiana Jones is going, I'm a little too old for this. Let's just 
And now we're just in crazy yeah. town. Yeah. Now, by the time you've got Tintin driving uh, the car or the motorcycle and the and the, the flood is coming and yeah. then everyone's just jumping from one thing to the other, grabbing the bird. Now no one can get hurt. Now we're just in you yeah, are that's we're, true. Being, we're now in baby's day out. Yeah. We're now that baby walking along the construction site, falling off something, landing onto point. a beam. And yeah. yeah, especially when he's now on a, uh, a clothesline, yeah. he's whipping down, and mm-hmm. then the clothesline snaps, and there's no sense of danger. Yeah, that and no sequence one has any is, weight. Right. That sequence is a little over the top. That right, and then they end up fighting with cranes at the end, and they're bashing yeah. cranes into each other, and it's just, okay, just because you can do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But you could almost do that if you've set up the whole movie is that kind of kinetic energy, but you didn't because we've got motion capture off the top and everyone's doing those subtle gestures. So now when you've got Tintin uh, in a total Bugs Bunny type situation, it doesn't work. You've set up a different world than you've put on at the end and it doesn't doesn't connect. Boo. We're in Uncanny uncanny Valley, man. And they don't solve the mystery. The mystery is revealed to them. You know, like the guy just goes, I yeah. am so-and-so. I'm the evil person. Absolutely. And you're like, well, what did, What was the point of the film then? And it ends with, you know, oh, that's not the thing. Do you want to go get the thing? I do. The end. Like, yeah. Wait, go get the, come on. I don't mind that because the books, you know, the books have that element to them as well. So I, I don't mind that cliffhanger. But you can't, I ending. think, do that with your first movie. I don't think you can do that. Like the first Tintin story. You can't, you can't do that with uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Do not do that with your movie. Do not end without completing. Do not do a, mo- a book called Destination Moon and not go to the moon. But the first couple of uh, the first couple of Tintin stories weren't two part. No, that's right. So it's more satisfying to have like the completed. Yeah. Now, now we've we're at Marlon Spike Hall. This, this, this. Yeah. Hooray! The so end. you would have preferred if they'd taken uh, more standalone books, like yeah. like the Black Island, let's say, and do that as a as a story, which is a great story, which is a greatly cinematic story. I always think I always wonder why what what is already talking about with Prisoner of the Sun, Seven Crystal Balls, when you got the Black Island, which is like basically the 39 Steps, only to yeah. me a little better than the 39 Steps. And why, why isn't that cinematic? Because that's a very, you know, it's a great movie. And you've got a, a great plot with the trains and the island and boats and everything. It's just got all this great kinetic stuff happening. The, the fight in the, in the, the insane asylum is a fantastic uh, storyline. And that would be fun to see animated, you know, or fun to see duplicated. But you know what's really fun? What's that? Take the book off the shelf, sit down in a chair, and read it. There we go. That's uh, we should do. That almost sounds like we should end here, but we're not going to. Uh, <laughs> I would I would say an example of uh, of why you don't end on a cliffhanger. Yeah, is something like uh, the Golden Compass. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a, there is, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with the Golden Compass. It's even uh, got Daniel Craig in it. Okay. Uh, it's so the one with the, the bears, like yeah, the, the armored bears. bears it's and stuff? fine, yeah. you know, but it, but it like ends with, and now more stuff's to come. Mm. And it's like, if you're a book, that's fine. Cause then usually you can then go get the other book and read the other book and it's yeah. fine. Yeah. But like, all right, we're going to go and get that treasure very soon. And now we're literally in the same situation that kids used to be in with Hergé, yeah. where it's going to be eight years later, yeah. and then now we're going to finish that story for you. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have kids yourself now? Yeah. Okay. That's... Not quite. The, the moon the moon books would be the most extreme example of that, and that was it was four years. But yeah, it was that's a long time when you were a kid. Right. Like you've grown out of the books by that point. You're like, well, I, I don't when read those did, anymore. When did the Tintin I dig girls. film come out? When did uh, uh, Unicorn come out, that one? Was that... 
2010? I don't know. That's the one book I didn't really look to. Or one thing let's I didn't say, look too close let's say 2010. That seems sort of reasonable. Sure. It's not going to come out until 2017. Yeah. Seven years is too long. Yeah. For a cliffhanger, man, you can't you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, the, just even the stuff, even even. Uh, to be fair, C- Peter Jackson will- had to make three terrible films before he could do the Tintin movie. All right. Let me ask you something in uh, in the in this movie. Uh, yeah. It starts off with uh, Tintin being drawn by Hergé. Yeah. And I like that scene actually. It's very sweet. Well, it's, but the problem with the scene is that it shows Tintin as you should as he should be. And you're like, yeah, that's Tintin. That looks great. And it goes back to the movie Tintin. You're like, meh. <laughs> Fair enough. If you're if you're so inclined, I understand. Uh, but Hergé says says to him, uh, "Have I drawn you before?" It's very it's a cute yeah, little scene. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. A, you know, it's fine. And he's like, uh, "I'm not sure. Uh, shut up. Just keep drawing." Me. No, anyway. <laughs> uh, but he says, "Like, are you?" A... They meet cute. He says, "Yeah." He says to him, "You're a reporter." And Tintin corrects him and went and goes, "I'm a journalist." Mm. And that's a weird little scene. It's like, wait, what does that mean? He writes a diary. Keeps a journal. That's all it means. I don't know. Dear Kitty. But I think it means something. Yeah. Like that, you know, people think you're a reporter. No, I'm going to correct you right now off the top. I'm not a reporter. I'm a journalist. And like, what's that? What? Do, what's the difference? Because a, it's obviously, yeah, it's important enough a to reporter, really Because a reporter reports on the news. Yes. A journalist writes about the news. And as I said before, Tintin is not a reporter that he reports. That's right. He writes a, a weekend magazine piece exposing the entire nefarious thing that he was that he discovered you know and he doesn't do like you know in the news person da, da, da. he writes a long story you know that someone gets their weekend magazine yeah, he in the writes newspaper. it at the very end by the way after yeah. all the other news media has covered it, it appears in in the comics but that's fine he's not writing it from the point yeah. of view of news he's writing, he's writing it. from the point of view of an experience now i'm going to take you deep deep into what happened that is probably what it means yeah, yeah. it just was an interesting scene off the top sure. like this means something what does this mean and yeah. the other thing that was a little different i told them to do that oh good for you and the other thing is uh captain haddock mm-hmm. uh is scolded by tintin for his drinking yeah and you know at one point just like i could smell it on your breath you know <laughs> it was a, it was alcohol and it was a it was a point where alcohol actually wasn't a factor yeah it was like a bottle hit someone or something and he's yeah. like now nah, i could smell it on your breath and he yeah just, and like, he's just, mad at him he's yeah. mad at him for and, it and and, and by the end, Haddock's journey is, you know, here, take a bottle and just uh, drink yourself. That's all you're good for. And he takes the bottles and he throws the bottles at the villain. Yeah. And yeah. he's, you know, he's he's over his, maybe next time he'll be drinking too, but probably. Or he'll just be sipping in a moderate way. Well, he actually does at the end. He yeah. has the champagne comes and he drinks both glasses <laughs> of champagne. So yeah. he's not completely off the sure. sauce. Sure. But, you know, they do do a little commentary on, we're going to have him drink, which is surprising yeah, in a kid's true. movie. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know. Kid's movie to... also has guns in it, so it's not entirely. Uh, I, think, I think you can do guns in a kid's movie. It just seems like, you, if, if you're thinking Saturday morning cartoon level. It's kids, not, though. Yeah, it's, you're yeah. thinking Pixar. And Pixar, you can kill people. Incredibles, okay. a lot of people get killed That's in the true. Incredibles. Uh, there are, yes. yeah, there are guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see people almost killed, like in the in the montage where all the capes kill people. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people dying. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, guns. Guns is a yes or Iron Giant. I'm using all these Brad Bird movies because <laughs> gosh, they're good. Uh, guns are okay, yeah. but you don't often see uh, uh, when your leads uh, hitting the sauce. Yeah. You know, but I guess you know he he learns his it, lesson. Almost. It was a different time. It was. <laughs> that's right. It was 2010. Yeah. It was were a totally we ever? Time. Were we ever so young? Oh my gosh! Remember those days before podcasts? People drank before podcasts. Only Ricky Gervais had a podcast back then. He was the only one. The end. There is earlier ones, but I okay. Was. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> All right. Sorry. When we do our podcast, podcast about yes. the history of podcasts, podcasting, then we'll. Uh... <laughs> 
Then we'll get into then it. Then we'll be really So what is done. the, do you know what the next Tintin movie is supposed to be? There's some discussion I, over whether it was supposed to know, be the seven crystal balls. That was, that was floated around. Well, is it? Like, I, I assume that they're going to be doing uh, a, I assume that they're going to take off from Red Rackham's treasure and carry on from there. Maybe. So, because they still have to find the treasure. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, um, but I think the film kind of gave away that plot line anyway. Because in Red Rackham's treasure, they go, they look for the treasure. It's when they come back to Marlin Spike that they discover that the treasure's there all the time. Right. Whereas this film reveals the treasure to be there in the globe. And so what does that leave you with? You don't have that end of that film. So what they'll do is they'll do a variation of Red Rackham's treasure and then they'll move it on into an, into another film. And I don't think it'll be Seven Crystal Balls. Because I don't think that would flow very well out of Red Rackham's treasure. Wait a second. Red Rackham's treasure... Uh, yeah. In the actual story, Red Rackham's treasure. Yeah. Calculus is around in that, right? Yes. So we need to introduce calculus right. for sure in the next yeah. story. So we have to have the shark submarine and we have to have th- those things have to occur in the next film. Yeah. You can't have Tintin without the shark submarine. Uh, it's just so, it's so iconic. So that will definitely be in the next film. So the next film will have an element of, of Red Rackham. Where it goes from there, I'm not exactly certain what, because the, the, um, Secret of the Unicorn obviously draws from the crab with the golden claws to yep. introduce Haddock. And it draws from uh, the um, land of black gold with the introduce, introduction of the uh, the um, sheik yep. in that film. So it draws from a few different movies. So now they have to try to to figure out which other films they want to draw from. Which is, I think that's fair. I think oh, you, I know, don't, you don't have or to other do books. It. I, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's not. We don't need to Nelvana it. We can. No. We can. We can uh, have some fun. Mix I, it up. Yeah, have some fun with it because you know they can't beat the books. Mm-hmm. They just have to admit that to yourself when you start the project. And you shouldn't try. I'm not going to beat the books. I'm going to make something that's different than the books. That Use draws your on medium. Draws on the spirit of of Hergé. Now, uh, the the thing that I think is actually going to be interesting is when you do a movie that's seven years apart and you're using digital technology. Technology yeah. increases yeah. incredibly in that time. Yeah. So by the time we get, and if you're if you're making this a trilogy, by the time you get to the trilogy, hopefully it'll go a little faster now. The, but yeah. yeah, but even so, the third film will look radically different than the one. That's fine. You know. That's here. fine though. This is going to look like uh, the Dire Straits Money for Nothing video. Yeah. By the time we get to that but one. But that was the same with going from Star Wars to Re- Return of the Jedi. There was a big difference in the, t- in the technology and the special effects in those two films. So you're not complaining. You don't. You're not complaining of the speeder sequence in in uh, Return of the Jedi. You're complaining about the rest of the film, but you're not complaining about that sequence. Fair enough. That'll yeah. be in our Star Trek uh, or Star Wars podcast. Yeah, so we'll be doing a Star Wars podcast. And then of course like the Star else. Trek one. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We'll do them together. <laughs> Well, in, we'll just do one and then the other. Like, just, in, you know, just mingle them together. I need I need a nap. <laughs> um, folks, that brings, so much us, that brings us to the end of this one. But we are now uh, going to throw something over to you because we got one more episode to go. Yes. Uh, and uh, what we need from you is uh, what haven't we talked about? Uh, we would like to answer any of your questions. Yep. Uh, We've got you, a few. We've we'll, had a few we'll questions. We'll take statements as well. We'll read your statements. We'll read prepared, your statements. Prepared statements on the air. Uh, if you think we've yeah. been wrong about something, we're happy to hear from you on that. Many yeah. of you have been correcting you, us online. Come on, you bl- Blue Oranges fan. Defend <laughs> defend right. that film. <laughs> it's, well, you know what? I'm sure there's some people who watched that as a kid and it yeah. was one of their favorite films. So, everything yeah. is someone's favorite yeah. something. That's the, that's the interesting thing for us is because we grew up in a culture where we had the books of Tintin. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's very little about Tintin in our culture. 
True. You know, and so we never, I never saw those films as a kid. I never saw Lake of Sharks or Temple of the Sun. Those were just not available. I, for some strange reason, I saw Pinocchio in Space, which was also made by Bell Vision. Man, you're bringing that up a lot. Well, it was so, not, it was pretty good. It had a, it had a space whale in it. You don't see a monstro as no. a space whale every day. Was there a space, uh, Jiminy Cricket? Was there a space Jiminy Cricket? Was there not a space? Of course there was a space Jiminy Cricket. If it's the original story of uh, yeah, yeah. Pinocchio, Pinocchio crushes Jiminy Cricket like right off the get-go. Yeah. It's like, I'm your conscience, are you? Squish, dead. That's what happens in Pinocchio, a, the real one. It's a, I read that book when I was a kid. It's very dark. It's very dark. Very dark book. Oh, my um, gosh, is it dark. I don't know why someone would give that to a person to read, actually. I don't know why. Pinocchio is the darkest thing in the universe. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Uh, if you want Pinocchio to, cast. If you want to write us uh, with your questions, comments, anything... Uh, for the final episode, which is we're throwing over to you, uh, SneakyDragon.com is our website. Yeah. Uh, that's also the name of our other podcast. If you want to listen to us talk about stuff that isn't this, that's the place to do it. Uh, so SneakyDragon.com, our message boards are there. If you want to uh, comment on Facebook, we're at Totally Tintin on Facebook. Yep. If you want to write us by email, we're at SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. I repeat, SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. And on Twitter, at Sneaky underscore Dragon. Any of those, except for Twitter, because no one ever writes us on there, is a good way to go about doing it. It's true. No one ever writes to us I've on Twitter. L- I've listened to a lot of... Uh, Twitter's pod- over, man. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and people almost always apologize for their Twitter feeds. They go, I'm sorry, we haven't put anything on Twitter lately. Uh, our Tumblr's not great. Yeah. We have a Tumblr, I'm sure, but not for this. Uh, yeah. Th- forget about it. Look, just go to our website. That's what we want to do. SneakyDragon.com. That's a good way to do it. Or Totally Tintin Facebook. Also a good way. Well, the problem is is that you have so many... You have all this social media obligation. It's hard to... Ma- you know, hard to... Keep up with them. And then I'm old, so I like Facebook. Oh, you're very, very I'm old. I am very old. Yeah. Dave's still on Friendster. I I still remember going to the old church hall and watching film fixes with the other kids. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You also remember uh, film that strips. 2010 Tintin. Oh, oh my so God. So long ago. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, it wasn't even in uh, 4K. When I... It wasn't even in 4K. No, it wasn't at all. Oh, how can I even watch this? My eyes, oh, such pain. My favorite part of that film actually had nothing to do with the film. I was a little boy sitting in front of us, and during the film, he reached out to grab something that was in front of him. Oh, because we saw it in 3D. 3D. Yeah, yeah. So he reached out. Oh, he's so disappointed. Yeah, and then you just like flicked the back of his head and just went. It went around back and gotcha. <laughs> you know me. That's right. <laughs> Very mean old man. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming along on the journey so far. We've only got one more uh, chapter left. Yes. And that is uh, a chapter that will be written by you. Yes, please take part. All right. So uh, we'll see you uh, next time on Totally Tintin. I've been Ian Boothby. And I've been David Edrick. Thank you so much for your kind attention.